0: We did our episode. I said if I saw The Flash, I'd talk about it. (laughs) And because now we've both seen it. Yes. And it was fine. (laughs) (laughs) I was pretty whelmed overall. Yeah. To be honest, uh, the best thing about this film, especially going into it the week of its release, or like, yeah, I guess it was the week of its release when I saw it. The best part about going into it was mainly hearing both sides both extremes talking about the film going in and then going oh it's just fine right right (laughs) being like i had no real expectation other than i'm about to see things that either people love or have hated so far Uh uh-huh and to be honest i am in the middle of the ground to the point where i understand both camps yeah um I also understand, and I don't think this is really a hot take, whatever. I do understand why Moose Jitty was chosen out of all the DCEU people to, like, do other gun stuff. Because mm. I assume you heard the news that he's, he's doing Batman. Batman yeah. Which, honest to God, I think makes sense to a degree. Because it's like, he, I don't know. There's something about Moose Jitty and watching The Flash where if there's anything I kind of enjoyed... And where I was like, oh, this is probably the thing that Gunn loves the most about this film is the fact that, like, it does not take itself very seriously at times. Sure. It is a fucking cartoon at moments. (laughs) And in the best and worst way. And it's clear that that was intentional, but clearly didn't think that people were going to react the way that they did. Yeah. Especially with their execution of certain things. But... Considering that Gunn has practically made his mark on comic books by pretty much establishing C-level characters as, like, much more interesting, or yeah. C-grade characters, and also not taking himself way too seriously, but doing it just enough levity to get people invested yeah. in the characters of the silly characters, like, in the stories of the silly characters, it's clear that, like, Moose Jitty also is like, yeah, Flash is fucking weird, but also stupid and fun, <laughs> And also has a like a tragic backstory, so we could play with that. And it's like, bare bones wise, this film could have been great, but in everything else, it's a DC extended universe film that has had. To say that this film in particular has had a rocky development would be an understatement. To say a Flash film having a (laughs) rough development is like saying a mountain is a molehill. It's like the fact that this film has come out. It is the first solo film of like one of DC's biggest superheroes and it's not the biggest piece of shit. Really is just like D C just push it to the side. At least it wasn't <laughs> like I know it's like doing horrible at the box office, oh, which yeah. is understandable. Yeah. I don't listen, it's like at a certain well, point I, I
1: think I think a part of that, you know, whatever whatever each person in personally feels about the movie. Yeah if they've seen yeah. it. I think, you know, they really came out swinging with the hype train ahead yes. of this movie. The, oh my god! When you get when you, I mean, I know it wasn't a direct quote, but when you basically uh, claim, you know, Tom Cruise said this is a life changing movie that the world <laughs> needs right now, and then you get James Gunn, the new head of your studio, uh, also known for some of the the modern most beloved superhero yeah. movies, S- yeah, uh, saying this one. is one of the greatest of all time. Yes. Um, You know, and you also, you know, you pack things in there, like Michael Keaton back as Batman. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of set people up to expect at least a big, massive swing, if not a hit. Um, And then when the immediate word of mouth is like, at best, it's fine. And other than that, like, this is kind of gross. Yeah. um, Yeah. It's no surprise their tires are flat.
0: It is funny to think that, like, because a lot of this has to do with the fact, too, that this film has changed hands so many goddamn times yeah. that the fact that this... Because what's funny, too, is the story of this film is not even, I would even say, complicated.
2: No. I think
0: by the time you get into the actual quote-unquote... like quote, like, meat and potatoes of the film. It really is, like, especially if you are a, a comic book person and you know multiverse stuff, or even if you're just a fan of movies that yeah, have done Yeah, if
1: you've seen sci-fi movies or time travel movies, like, this, it's, it's going over a lot of the same stuff.
0: Yeah, this is pretty much, like, basic, if not, like, pretty straightforward stuff. It really is the fact that, like, the film really shouldn't be that. <laughs> yeah. At a certain point, the best stuff that the film has to offer... You have to take with a grain of salt because ultimately you're like, oh, we can't really develop this any farther because we have to see Michael Keaton in an alternate universe. Right. So like, the beginning of the film like takes its sweet time yeah. getting to the multiverse stuff, and then it does, and then it's like, okay, I guess when they wrap this up, it's going to be the most bare bones, straightforward. Like, well, I guess we've learned something today. Yeah. And to be honest, that is exactly how it ends. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, again. If it was any other cinematic connected universe, I think I would probably dislike this film maybe a little bit more.
1: But because you would have had a higher expectation yes, from yeah, it. I yeah, I think so.
0: But yeah. I, but the fact that this is tied to a universe that is tied to Wonder Woman 84, Batman v Superman, both versions of the Justice League where we do. Yeah, I like Snyder's cut a little bit more, but that's not sure. saying a lot. Yeah. And uh Aquaman, which I do like, but also is like not great. Yeah. And also Black Adam, which is absolute dog shit. <laughs> yeah. You just have like you have the most mixed bag in the history of mixed bags, and it's like, of course, if this is like I don't hate the taste of it, sure. like I'm gonna appreciate that a little bit. It, but I'm yeah. also not gonna be surprised when it drops eighty percent in its second week. <laughs> right. It's which it in- has. It is
1: interesting how this movie is I mean naturally uh, functioning as kind of the the uh, I don't know uh, self I don't know self-proclaimed kind of epitaph or like Mm-hmm. Kind of final note on the the DC or the yeah. Snyderverse. Even though I know we have Aquaman coming out this year, but and like, also Blue Beetle, which and I Blue Beetle, no... but that's supposedly the first movie of the new DCU, <laughs> okay. but also not like yeah, a I don't film
0: know. that was meant to be an HBO Max original, yeah. now known as Max. Right. Before it was basically said, oh my god, this is better than Batgirl. Put it in theaters. Give it an IMAX release. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, why would you do this to this poor film? It wasn't wasn't the intention.
1: But it's just, it's funny to look at Flash as this kind of, okay, this is kind of our last hurrah in this this realm. And for the movie to be so steeped in Man of Steel. Yeah. Yes. Mediocre ass movie from 10 years ago. And it's like. The DCU is still chasing that. It's still yeah. chasing authentic Snyder. Not even that Snyder was great for the DCEU, but no, like no, yeah. there there was some ethos there and like the entire kind of philosophy of the DCEU coming off of Snyder, inspired by Snyder, has just been so generally speaking like Mm -hmm. hollow and it's like what a perfect way to end all this with just like we're just gonna do kind of a 3d mish or cg mishmash of the third act of man of steel into our flash movie yeah it's like what is
0: this we're gonna do a third act that
1: remember man of steel folks
0: i would argue the third act of the flash i don't dislike as much as choices for man of steel or like the original wonder woman third act Mm. but i will say that the third act of the flash does not feel satisfactory whatsoever uh, no. to a point where it's like on a base level yes if you have like i mean basically if you love your mom there's gonna there may be you might get a little maybe a little smidge of tear for sure at the it's, end yeah it's got but,
1: plenty of sentiment
0: but if, if you're thinking about like oh i care about these characters yeah that's where it's like, yeah, you lost me in
1: this.
2: Yeah.
0: And also, I can, in my head canon, Tom Cruise hasn't seen a comic book film since Iron Man. Right, right. So, when, like, when this those is first quotes, thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: when those quotes first came out, I was like, okay, this man has probably seen three of these in the last mm-hmm. 20 years. Because
0: I like to think that a man like Tom Cruise, who I think constantly says he tries to watch every new film that comes out <laughs> every year, he says he watches everything. Yeah. I don't believe him. I, I would like to think that the one thing he doesn't. Is the MCU or anything comic book related? Because it's like he has no connection to it, and maybe the Flash he does have a connection to. Maybe he had read it once as a kid or something. But like his quotes, like read like that. Gunn's quotes feel like a man that has now picked up a bit of a dumpster fire. Watches, you know, maybe watches Shazam Two: Fury of the Gods, and is like, ah, well, this is coming out regardless if I want to or not tries to watch the Aquaman 2 dailies and is like, this is unsalvageable. <laughs> watches Blue Beetle and goes, huh, considering where this started, this is probably, this is a lot more fun than I expected. Yeah. And then you watch the flash and probably just has just enough of a low expectation that when he watches the flash, it just, there are probably some parts that just hit him hard. Maybe. And then just like, that was it. Like, I, and also I, it's again, I think Moose has the potential to make a great comic book film. Cause again, I will also say, it is kind of shocking, too. It's unfortunate for Muschietti that literally his last three films have been tied to basically a train wreck of productions where he now just has to take over and make a salvageable film. Yeah. And he does great with It Chapter 1, and then with It Chapter 2, if you've ever read It, that's like the best version that you could make of that finale of, of the book, especially that story. And then with this, it's like... You could literally go down the list of directors that have been attached to this film. Where it's like you have the director of 2015's Dope, uh, Rick Fukuyama. Yeah. Or fuck, gosh, I don't want to butcher his name, but the director of Dope was at one point attached to this film, got cut. The two directors who did Game Night and Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves also were attached to this film, also got cut. Mm -hmm. There are like Jeff Johns at one point, I think, helped with the script, and Mm -hmm. then that didn't go anywhere. Um, there's just so many hands have been in this pot to the point that like the fact that it's even tastes like anything i feel like is enough for some people yeah. to go this is the greatest thing i've ever seen and it's like expectations need to be a little bit higher <laughs> but uh yeah i didn't hate it again if you yeah. if you were somewhat interested i would say wait until a max release yeah a- also formerly known as hbo max you yeah. know if you if you want to give it a watch like that's I would say the best way to do it, because to be honest for me personally, I mean, Andy will disagree with this and that's understandable, but like a lot of the things I was worried about going into the film was like the CGI. And while it is rough pretty much throughout the entire film, it did not make me cringe as much as I thought it was going to. <laughs> like there's a certain shot that everyone has made fun of to the point where they've like said it looks like a fortnight lobby <laughs> Oh, and, that one. Yeah. Uh, and that shot made me go, oh, well, there it is. Yeah. that's basically watching the film where it's like oh this is the part that's gonna make me like cringe and it's like oh well okay yeah it wasn't Next,
1: moving on it wasn't so much the the shots that got all meme to hell from the trailers and stuff no. that uh that bothered me so much as like every other shot in the movie <laughs> um and i'm i'm somebody <laughs> who say, like well, you fun. know i don't i kind of roll my eyes whenever Twitter breaks out the, like, oh, this movie looks like a PS3 cutscene. Oh, it's... No, criticism. Twitter... Because it's like, shut up. They always like, have
0: a measured response. It's yeah. never extreme. Twitter like, never is extreme.
1: It's super popular to throw that at the MCU, and I understand it, because their CGI seems to be almost getting worse. But, like, yeah. um, you know, I, I tend to kind of take all that with a grain of salt and not be that bothered by it in, in big, fantastical movies like this. But yeah. I was... I was really hung up on how (laughs) awful this movie looked and i don't mean the camera the camera work's not bad and there's some really interesting both in the virtual space and in real camera work interesting things going on but like Mm -hmm. man oh man to build a movie around digital face replacement and for it to look that bad yeah i was uh, yeah i was horrified again
0: it's one of those films too where it's like there were moments in the flash where i was like wow that that does not bother me as much as i thought and then there was another scene where i would just stand there and go you know what I'll con- c- you know conceptually, I don't know how you make this look right and I'm glad I guess I'm glad they tried, but man, I don't think this is the best option yeah because I do I do genuinely believe that a lot of the cartooniness in the CGI is intentional however, mm. that is hard to do when again, like you said, this is attached to man of fucking Steel yeah. a film that is uh the inverse of that yeah everything and is you're kind of to be recreating that
2: look
1: yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, where you have, like, basically a finale playground that is supposed to look like something from Man of Steel. And even though in the scene of Man of Steel that they're kind of recreating, quote-unquote, uh-huh. is literally, like, a white floor and a blue <laughs> background, yeah. it does not look like the same shade of blue. No. and same, It's, like, no. completely different. Yeah. And so it's, like, again, I, I do not... <laughs> I I do not envy the the VFX artists that had to work on the flash and had to constantly get pushed back because of, you know, things that maybe happened in Hawaii or maybe not, or just like COVID. And, but at the same time, like hilariously enough, I do think there's a good conversation to show like, you know, MCU's biggest issue is like, they're doing so many projects at once. Well, the flashes is really just like, they literally, it seems like they clearly didn't know how to fully visualize the concept without making it like just on the verge of nightmare fuel if not yeah. nightmare fuel all for, the, like, all the some chrono others.
1: bowl stuff or whatever it was called like when he was in his time or was just, like yeah. man why are we looking at all these cg A- models of actors who are in this movie <laughs> yeah. again that's the situation though too it's
0: like in that film i love that idea I love the chrono-bowl idea, idea, sure, but
1: But, I don't like looking at it. But
0: when I launched it, I was like, this is weird, because like I feel like if you- Why am I
1: looking at rubber CGI Gumby Ron Livingston (laughs) instead of just looking at actual Ron (laughs) Livingston? I'm glad
0: we're thinking of the same scene, because that's literally (laughs) the scene I think of when I think of that. But then again, I think like if you put them both in there, I feel like it would- it could have been worse in terms of, like, everything else is CG, and then you just have them... Well, yeah, like, it froze. comes down to how you conceive Again. the yes. the shot and no, stuff. Absolutely. And they,
1: they clearly decided at some point, yeah. okay, we're going to do the chrono bowl entirely digitally, mm-hmm. it, and at that point you got to commit.
2: But it, like,
0: it really does feel like the Flash is, like, swinging for the fences, but not just the ball. Like, as soon as they hit the ball, they throw the bat. Yeah. And it's like, I appreciate the enthusiasm, but this is not entirely yeah. how I think this is going to... People are not going to love the execution to this. And yeah. what a surprise. Well, I mean, People didn't really love the execution yeah. of it.
1: Well, I was just glad and relieved when we got to the kind of emotional climax that Barry's emotional journey was interrupted by cameos from four different Supermen. See, that was another that's thing. That's what I loved about it Oh, so movie. we're going
0: to just talk about that. Because yeah. I, I didn't know if we wanted to go that far into it. But, yeah. like, I mean, I, that's been everywhere. And what's funny, too, is, like, that's also a scene that, like, did not bother me. Because I think at this point – because, again, here's the thing. There's an alternate reality where Lucasfilm does Tarkin in Rogue One and people fucking hate it and we never see that again. Sure. But yeah. the fact that, like, they do Tarkin in Rogue One and they get away with it, yeah. now we are just seeing, like, okay, so now we're just waiting for more dead celebrity. Because yeah. I will admit, like, I'm even though it was odd, they didn't speak and they also weren't on screen as long as I thought they were going to be right. compared to, like – Except for, Ghostbusters uh, except for one of them
2: who gets
1: a whole action scene for yeah, some reason. Yeah, but
0: he screams. Yeah. He doesn't actually talk. Because like, I, I thought, because I heard the rumors that he has a scene. Yeah. And, again, it's a scene that I was like, this is a very cheeky nod. Yeah. I I appreciate it to an extent, but also, like, this is very weird to have at the third act of a Flash I appreciate film. the thought, but... Yes. Um... Yeah, yeah, but the fact that, like, because I was expecting him to speak, and he does not. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, thank God you don't.
1: And then I also think, Which like... Which is especially funny, because apparently he actually shot stuff for this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's good for him. But then it's you watch the him. movie, and you're like, I don't think there's a real person in there. No, there, I don't think there is yeah.
0: either. It, it's, again, it's a weird thing where it's like, at this point, we have already accepted and, like, given, like, again, Rogue One's considered by a lot of people. as like, one of the best Star Wars films in a while. Yeah. And studios will look at that and go... You see that? That's, they didn't think that was fucked up. Yeah. That means we can do that. That's
1: the worst part about Rogue One. Not that it's a terrible no, no, movie, yeah. but that people, that studios can look at that and be like, see, everybody yeah. loves that. That's, that's Let's how, do more of that. That's
0: how most studios are like, yeah. it seems like, in terms of like, this is a cool idea. Let's ram it into the ground. Yeah.
1: I, I think with um, Rogue One 2, though, in its defense, although I don't, the Tarkin stuff has not aged super well to me mm-hmm. in terms of like, just from a- Moral or conceptual standpoint, um, the whole understand. you know resurrecting yeah. dead actors and that yes. sort of thing, and arguably yes, more deplorable because they're actually having Tarkins' digital body do a performance that's from yeah. somebody else. And and in that regard, the Flash cameos are far less heinous. Yes, but I think for me, I think the reason they get away with it or they got away with it in Rogue One is because of the novelty of the technology. It was like nobody even expected that you yeah. could pull mm-hmm. that off from a technical standpoint it's like oh he actually kind of looks real wow all right i'm you you i you have my attention now yes um and now we're at a point where it's like we're kind of built to expect those sort of nostalgic cameos and recreations of real people so gross and so i I don't expect that at all so when no one else does (laughs) so when we just get well i think we are i mean no you know things like no way home which i think does that stuff really well but it kind of yeah. set people up to expect mm-hmm. that from like multiverse movies and things like that. Yeah. Um. And time travel movies and all that. Um. But yeah, to see kind of that constant parade of all these mm-hmm. people who are no longer either yeah. involved or alive is just like,
0: okay. Cause I think the thing that freaks me out the most about that whole thing is the AI aspect because it's oh, not, it's not yeah. just deep fake. Yeah. It's, it's not just like, a deep well, fake it situation. Can't be, yeah. It is cuz like the thing that threw me off when you introduced those superman to the situation is the fact that like not only are they you know, pretty good deep fakes as best as you can knowing that that person's fucking dead, <laughs> yeah. everything around them including the the filter, the quality of the quote-unquote yeah, film, yeah. everything is being generated clearly by AI. Yeah, almost like when you do a painting of like such and such, or like when you put right. in like a, you know, like you know Andy on a horse in like a steampunk eighty yeah, style. It's and it at has least
1: that look put through some kind of smart <laughs> yes. post-processing type thing.
0: Yeah. yeah, and to be honest, the biggest issue I have with that scene is the fact that like it seems like that scene is trying to hide the fact that it's third act. Reveal is really not a reveal, yeah. Because I literally, I because I went with uh with our friend. you really
1: kind of spoon feed it to yeah, you, yeah.
0: Because I really, I went with our friend uh Patrick, who yeah. I thought out of our whole friend group would like it the most, and I do and think I he think likes he it. Did. He does, and I'm glad he did, because I we both had a fun time while watching it, and we yeah. were both caught off guard, but like. I have honestly since I saw the film have forgotten more and more every day. Yeah. It's a very forgettable film, but I had a good time at the time. Sure. But like at a certain moment we were watching it and I had to hold my tongue cuz I did not want to ruin it for him. Mm-hmm. But basically when the third when the villain, "quote unquote" cuz again, yeah. there's no real fucking villain in the film either. Has a villain, yeah. Yeah, when there is when there is a certain character that is like shows up, I'm just like I know exactly who that is. Yeah. And then it takes 90 minutes just to get to that point. Right, right. And it's just like, it has... (laughs) The best way to describe it, it has a Vince McMahon twist. Yeah. It's like, it's me, Barry. And it's like, I knew it was you the whole time. Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) And... Well, even when, even, like, in the third act, when it finally starts, like, dropping all the pieces for it, because it's it's that early tease, and, yeah, if you kind of know how these stories work, you Mm -hmm. can pick up right then what's going to happen, but, yeah, during the third act, it kind of starts dropping all these pieces, and it's incredibly obvious, but it still waits for another ten minutes to, like, drop the Mm -hmm. reveal, and it's like... I think we get it at this point. Oh, we can also, see it happening in front of us.
0: Yeah. Also, I just want to say out loud to any toy companies that, for some reason, are listening to this podcast, can you please not release designs of fucking characters or action oh, figures? Yeah. Because the c- character we are talking about, I didn't realize I had already seen the design until a memory in the back of my head made me go, "Oh, that's right." I was scrolling Facebook one day and I got weird fucking ads about action figures and I saw one I didn't recognize. Oh, okay. Until I watched this film and, and I went... Like, oh, that's the ticket. And I, and again, it doesn't reveal the person per se. It's just like a persona. Yeah. But I was like, are you fucking kidding me? The fact that like we're now in 2023 and we've already had so many instances where big blockbuster films with toys basically get spoiled to an extent because of toys. Yeah. And I can't believe DC of all... You know, DC of all properties just still like, oh no, here's a here's a Flash action figure five months before the film comes out, (laughs) and it's like, why would you do that? Yeah, (laughs) that's silly. But yeah, we we've been talking about this longer than we thought. Yeah, more than it deserves. More, honestly, more than it deserves. Yeah, like like we said, like it is, it's worth. I mean, for me personally, it is worth a watch, but it's not worth paying to watch, at least in the theaters. I think it's like if you already have Max. Give it, like, I think a top six months it should be on there <laughs> and give it a watch there. But yeah. um, in terms of DC stuff, we actually got some good news in terms of Superman yeah. and Lois Lane being casted for James Gunn's Superman film. Right. Which is fucking perfect casting. Yeah. Uh, is it David Corin? Corn Sweat. Corn Sweat. And Rachel Brosnahan from The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Yeah. Who hilariously... She might
1: be the more known of the two. She is, yes.
0: Because yeah. uh, I think her show just finished, too. Yeah. Um, and that was a whole interesting thing because it was like... <laughs> I thought she was older than she actually was because I thought it was like, oh, there's like a 10-year gap between them. No, there's like <laughs> two-year gap. <laughs> oh, wow. Because Brosnahan always had the energy, at least with all of her roles. like She was playing younger than she actually was but no she's just no she's always she's been that young she's not that older than us and i was like oh nice i mean she's still a phenomenal actress from what i've seen and with david like it's a good choice because like i've only seen him in three things um we both did you see pearl because you know
1: i still haven't seen pearl Pearl,
0: he's good he's really good in pearl he's got a small he's got a decent role in pearl Um, He's in, and the other two things I've seen are Ryan Murphy productions, which are Hollywood and Politician. Both shows I don't really recommend. Hollywood's (laughs) Hollywood's a fascinating show because that's basically Ryan Murphy being like, what if the heyday of Hollywood was done through a a lens that I prefer?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's
0: like, oh, I mean, I'd probably, I'd still recommend, I'd recommend it probably more than I would Babylon, but even then, (laughs) like, but even then it's like, it's a weird alternate history thing that is like, okay, Ryan Murphy, this is fine. Yeah. But uh, Sweat is, like, he's one of those actors that, like, when I saw him in both those shows, like, I was like, need more of this guy. Like, he's like, I, I want to see what this guy could do because, like, he just, he has a presence that is not overbearing, but if given the chance, could be star-making, which, of course, is perfect mm-hmm. for a Superman role. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are theorizing that, like, he has clark kent energy and it wouldn't surprise me that like that's kind of like what comes down the wire because there was like Nicholas Holt was apparently a yeah, front runner for I superman seeing that well she was beast 13 years ago when he started <sighs> and he's been beast for like what five films almost yeah and he's he's been that would have like, been weird that would have been weird apparently I mean he, I like Nicholas Holt but yeah he's he's a great actor but like that would have been an interesting that would have been a weird one because like people know what he looks like He's yeah, been into a bunch of and stuff. People
1: have yeah, he's kind of yeah. built a a mm-hmm. body of work where people would expect certain things from him and
0: Yeah. And then with Lois Lane, I think a lot of a lot of choices were like British actresses. I mean, apparently one of the headrunners was or front runners was Emma Mackey. Okay. From Sex Education. Sure. She will also show up in Barbie as the you know actress that looks a lot like Margot Robbie and vice versa. Right.
2: right.
0: Uh playing another Barbie. But uh nope. Brosnahan, of and Corswet I think is phenomenal choices there were rumors that not only did Holt audition for lex luther but apparently both bill (laughs) skarsgård and alexander skarsgård were auditioned for lex which all honesty both could really work in different ways I'm yeah yeah but yeah no that's i mean honestly after seeing the flash both of us i think hearing that news is like that's a that's a good sign Sure. i would hope
1: <laughs> i mean if they can't at least get the casting right then <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're no. off to a bad start
0: honestly yeah and and it's not even the first thing we're gonna get from guns dc no. kind of run so that's gonna be it'll be fun to get some other stuff from him before going into like mm-hmm. his first big film mm-hmm. But uh, enough about DC. Come on, we're not talking about that <laughs> today's episode. Hello, I'm Logan Sowash. and I'm Andy Carr, and this is Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. In case you've forgotten, Odd Trilogies we talk about a trio of films, whether tied by number, cast and crew, thematic elements, and so on. Ugh, I had a yawn. We go through each <laughs> film one by one and discuss the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding them. And today we are talking about a big franchise, but we're not talking about. One of a Star Wars variety, or a comic book variety, or even a family Fast Cars variety. We are talking about one that has been basically dormant for 15 years, but is getting its most recent and final entry yes. this weekend. Yeah. and it is a it's a little film you might know called uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So in honor of that, and the fact that this is the first non Spielberg Indiana Jones we have gotten, we're gonna get, we have decided to tackle what Andy likes to call Indiana Jones in the sequels of Spielberg. <laughs> we are talking about the three sp- sequels directed by Steven Spielberg, which is which are, well, 1984's Temple of Doom, 1989's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and 2008's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yes. Three films that are vastly different in their own ways, but also, you know, have have a charm to them that is unique to their own as well as really trying to answer the question how do you make a sequel to one of the most perfect adventure films of all time? Because, to be honest, I rewatched Raiders for yeah. this, and so did Andy. Again, another thing, too, is as we are recording this, uh, even though we always record live, but I want to clear clarify, Andy's already seen Dial of Destiny. I have. I have not. He got to see it early, so he basically, while we were doing all of our Frank Darabont uh, research, he was doing Indiana Jones stuff at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have now seen the most recently out of the two of us, and but he's seen the fifth ish, uh, fifth film. Right. And I, I hope I see it soon, but at the same time I am curious to see kind of like what it finally comes out due to like reception and whatnot critically. Right. So like you have a different mindset going into this than I do because you now have seen – i now seen what it looks like, what when suppo- Indiana yeah.
1: Jones is not Steven Spielberg.
0: Yeah, and also where it's ending, quote unquote, right? Because right. this is this is going to be the last. Dial of Destiny is the last Indiana Jones film. Yes, because Harrison Ford is very old. Yeah. Spielberg is, I think, has has no ish interest think, in this yeah. anymore, and I don't think Lucas has any ideas that it wants to go through yeah. anymore. And n- neither one of them, or all three of them, don't want Chris Pratt in the role. Right. No one I really think, wants to do that. And I put think anyone in there,
1: Spielberg and ford might both have to die before they like try to reboot this franchise
0: yeah i think similar to back to the future there are just some very strong hands holding on to the (laughs) rings of this franchise yeah well studios are trying their best to crowbar each finger one by one every year and with indiana jones we thought it'd be fun to tackle because it's a trilogy of films that everyone knows at least in terms of when you talk about blockbusters a lot of people think of spielberg And a lot of the times they think of Spielberg's biggest, which are usually, you know, the Indiana Jones films. Yeah. Especially when it's like the 80s. because
1: It's like, yeah, E.T. and Indiana Jones.
0: Yeah, E.T., Indiana Jones. um,
1: Jaws in the 70s, but.
0: Yes. I mean, but Spielberg Spielberg was hot in the 80s. Hot, hot, hot. A lot of stuff in the 80s. Then he you know cool down for the 90s totally didn't do any kind of fucking wild ones chilled out
1: did a little stoner movie called schindler's list yeah
0: a little a little indie film called saving private ryan towards (laughs) the end of man spielberg really does have like by the way i'm going to start eras yeah i'm going to start the decade with a banger and we're going to end the decade on a banger Uh, yeah and what's funny is the 90s they're just very sad bangers (laughs) while as in the 80s they are adventure bangers Sad banger And going into this trilogy, we have to answer that we have to start by talking about how exactly did Spielberg and Lucas decide to go after Raiders? Because Raiders, in my opinion, is perfect. Sure, you really can't go. To be honest, Lucas and Spielberg shot themselves in the foot by making Raiders of the Lost Ark because you really just have a perfect film that could just stay on its own. You don't have to do anything else with it. But of course. Apparently, Lucas had an idea for three films at the time and wanted mm. to do a trilogy. And then Spielberg later found out that funny wasn't how true. Lucas's brain works. Yeah, and then Spielberg found out later that that wasn't true. So they had to make up different <laughs> stories as they went along. But ultimately, you know, when you make truly one of the best films of a decade in '81, that means a studio is going to be like, "Hey, make us more." And so apparently, when they made Raiders, they had a five-picture deal with yeah. Paramount Pictures. And so, of course, they were going to have to make another one. But Temple of Doom is an interesting one because Indiana Jones' The Temple of Doom comes at a very weird time all around. Whether you're talking about Lucas and Spielberg, because at the time both were going through some uh, little rough breakups yeah. in their own personal lives, you have Spielberg who is on the heels of making a little film you might know, uh, E.T. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You have Lucas, who is like, at the time they make Raiders of the Lost Ark, he still has Return of the Jedi. Even though he's not directing it, he still has that. And then ultimately, when you go into Temple, you now have the idea of like, well, Lucas, if you really had an idea of three films, but you don't have an idea for the second one, then what do you want to do? And what (laughs) do you don't want to do? And to start off, Lucas didn't want Nazis. Right, so we're scrapping Nazis. He didn't want every film to be about Nazis, so we're not doing Nazis. Yeah, scratch that. Um, do you want to do something in you know the same area? No, he wants to kind of you know expand his horizons. Apparently, they they stuck with India, which is a big part in a big kind of the pretty much the state like the primary location for the event oh yeah Uh, of this one yeah even though the film starts in shanghai (laughs) right it starts in china and then like basically like finds its way into india and then never addresses the china stuff ever again it's also it's Uh,
1: my understanding that a good chunk of that intro segment in shanghai was meant to be in raiders and was repurposed for like not that they shot it for Raiders, but like yes. those yes. idea, those story ideas and set pieces were originally going to be in Raiders, and then they were like, "Well, we didn't, yes. they didn't make it in there, so we're going to shove them into."
0: Apparently, yeah. it's funny too because apparently Lucas asked Lawrence Kasdan, who most people know as a big Star Wars guy, helped with the scripts for, I believe, Empire and Return. Yeah. Um, Basically, like, Lucas asked him, do you want to do this film? And he goes, absolutely not. <laughs> and, like, Kasdan, from the the review, like, the interview blurbs I've read, he was absolutely fucking brutal about the film. Yeah. He says, it's mean-spirited, it's gross. Right. They, they have, they're just, like, in a weird headspace and they just need to kind of talk <laughs> it out. Like, this is, this doesn't feel like something I want to be involved with, so I'm not going mm-hmm. to be. So because of that, in terms of the script, they got Gloria Katz and William Huck. I believe how you'd pronounce it, or yeah.
2: Huke. Something Bas- like that. Yeah,
0: basically two screenwriters that Lucas is fond of because they, both, they all three work together with American Graffiti. Yeah. Great film. Also a film that Harrison Ford's in, so probably Harrison may be aware of them as well. Who knows? one Ford, probably not. But at the time, they have an idea of India. They have two different writers. They have basically, like Andy said, set pieces that they had to cut from Raiders and be like, hey, maybe we can tie it into Temple. And ultimately, what you get is a sequel that is really swinging for the fences, <laughs> and is much different tonally. Ha- is a prequel because they felt like that would be the easiest way to not have to, to address Nazis. Nazis, yeah, because they didn't have to re- address the fact that he had dealt with Nazis in the last film. Yeah. And ultimately, what happens is Temple of Doom becomes <laughs> well, it becomes one of the first films to get a PG-13 rating. Yeah. At its time. Uh, but ultimately, it becomes I would argue is the black sheep of all four of these films. Yeah. In terms of tone. Yeah. Like Crystal Skull is definitely a black sheep in its own right. Right. But in terms of these, like it seems these three sequels, what's fascinating to me is that like, while in my opinion both Raiders and Last Crusade in the '80s have a timeless quality to them, Temple is full blown '80s. This film, Temple to me, feels dated, not in a bad way, but it just feels like this well, is the 80s. In, in
1: one way, it's in a bad way. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Especially with the effects, yes. Well,
1: I'm, I was referring to the cultural representation. <laughs>
0: yes, which is funny, too, because I don't, I mean, I, I assume if you, I mean, when you looked into it, if you saw wh- how they talked about, like, the cultural representation and specifically the dinner scene yeah. in this film. Yeah. Like they weren't trying to be accurate at all. No, and it's clear no. that they're not trying to be, yeah, but it's still fascinating to think that, like we are now nearly forty years <laughs> separated from the yeah, release of this yeah. film, and that scene still makes me like it was cl- it was a hundred percent Lucas and Spielberg basically Just being trying children to be gross trying to yeah. be gross, but ultimately leads to it being like, Weirdly insensitive, right and it kind of it misses the mark in a way that is just like you cannot yeah. not think about this when you think of temple <laughs> of Doom now, even yeah. if you don't want to I mean um, yeah,
1: they, they they do kind of they at least for me i I don't necessarily think about it a whole lot while I'm watching the movie just because it's like, okay, they make it clear like all this is like this part of this cult and this kind yeah, of yeah away separate with like society that. of it's not like this is what India looks like or whatever no no yeah. yeah.
0: It is, it is clearly, like, but. again, Indiana Jones exists because of Lucas and Spielberg's collective love of old serials in the 30s. Yeah. And also Flash Gordon, which is one of the reasons why Lucas did Star Wars, because of his love of, you know, serial, sci-fi serials. So you have, like, these the serial adventure stories that are clearly, like, they are not also... The 30s did not have good representations of these as well. Right. So, of course, they're going to have a fun silly version of yeah a creepy cult that's also into voodoo child yeah, slavery yeah. and stealing precious stones from poor little s- villages <laughs> in india yeah um but um gosh because i'm trying to think of where to start with this because there's a, this is a lot
2: well this is, there's a lot with i, this I one. think
1: the like most striking thing about temple of doom right from the get-go mm-hmm. kind of in contrast to to coming off of Raiders of the Lost Ark, an instant all time adventure classic. Mm-hmm. You get to Temple of Doom and in like the first five minutes Indiana Jones is like poisoned and almost dies. He skewers yes. a guy on like meat kebabs. Um, that stuck with
0: me as a kid yeah he yeah openly
1: he, kills people in a restaurant he, he
0: punches a woman on accident Punches <laughs> a woman he
1: <laughs> hides behind a giant rolling quarter or something or yeah. a coin or whatever this has all um,
0: happened after an opening sequence that is anything goes a musical sequence <laughs> yeah, to anything, anything goes, goes. with uh, kate capshaw yeah uh, playing willie scott yeah And then he he
1: jumps out a window and lands in a car with, like, a 10-year-old Chinese kid (laughs) and is, like, step on it. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's immediately apparent just how nutty this movie is going to be. Yes. And the first one, the first film is adventurous and high-spirited i would not call it nutty no or weird it has silly um, moments yeah. but it's
0: overall fairly it's a
1: fairly accessible action adventure romp it is the and most grounded of,
0: like, it's the most grounded of the film up until the finale yeah and then it's like oh fuck
2: <laughs> yeah which is kind
1: of the power of that finale yes, It's like oh yeah. this is real um and then yeah in this movie it's like it's darkly comedic it's yeah. strangely violent and mean um and yeah it's just it's just wacky and i think i mean that's something that i really really love about it is just like okay well if you're gonna make a sequel to try and move on from raiders of the lost ark like you might as well lean into the weird parts
0: yeah i mean again i we've we've talked about a lot on this podcast and i've always said it about myself i love it when shit when they swing for the fences yeah but i will say in terms of swinging for the fences for this film My love of Raiders is enough to fight my love of swinging for the fences because there's a lot of things in this film. Out of all four of these films, surprisingly, out of all four of these when I rewatched it, um, Temple of the Doom is the only one that, like, when I had to pause and go to the bathroom, I went, God, we got an hour left? What the fuck do they do for an hour? Sure. (laughs) And it's like, this is – because by the time – because the weird thing is, to me, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is a great adventure film in its own right, really fun but as an Indiana Jones film, it is weirdly dissonant compared to the other films, mainly for the fact that Indiana Jones, for the most part, has very little agency in the actual mystery. Sure, He is just kind he of... He kind
1: of walks through it and finds out trips, more stuff, and then, yeah. He trips into traps, trips into a secret Throws a dynamite gores, stick into the middle of it.
0: Which I do think has the fact... I mean, a lot of it has to play with the fact, too, that, like... Harrison Ford during a certain fight in this film breaks his spine or has a spinal inter- yeah. injury where he has to be helicoptered out of the country <laughs> and has to be basically at a certain point a lot of his action scenes were just done by his stunt double. Yeah. Because of that. And so like a lot of Harrison, you know, is not involved at a certain point in this film. I mean, he comes back towards the end to get some banger moments. The best part of this film in my opinion is the finale. Sure. The best aspect of this film that I think is the best in my opinion is short round.
1: Well, yeah.
0: I because I, another I'd thing say the t-
1: sh- short round and the like further lean into horror elements yes, is really fun. It, that is
0: a great aspect as well that I really do appreciate and it's one thing that like has stuck with my brain ever since i was a kid as well yeah again Kali Ma pulling the heart out of the chest yeah looks really good yeah it's really cool even a second where it's like that's fake it they know exactly when to edit it out when to cut it when to show the heart when to show the body erupting into flames (laughs) and it's clearly a dummy like they do such a good job with editing and everyone in this film i think is at their top tier except for one specifically and that's Kate Capshaw. And that is not entirely on her because Willie Scott fucking sucks.
1: Yeah, Willie <laughs> Scott kind of winds up functioning as a, a screenwriting punching bag for, for Lucas and Spielberg so taking shocking. out their frustrations about their relationships, I and think.
0: It's funny to think, too, that when this film comes out in 84, there is another adventure film that is literally coming out at the same time that has a Willie Scott-esque protagonist, and that is Robert Zemeckis' Romancing the Stone, uh-huh. where you have a woman... In that film you have a romance author basically being thrown into the jungle into an adventure that she wrote but now she has to live it. Yeah. Well as in Temple of Doom, Willie should be the most relatable out of the three of them <laughs> yeah. because she she's is a normal person. This world. Yeah. Yeah, she's a normal person who is a lounge singer in Shanghai, gets pulled into a wild car chase and now she is falling on a raft yeah. into India and now she cannot leave India until Indiana Jones finds out what he wants to do. Yeah. And it's she should be like the most interesting part. She's very charismatic. I think Kate Capshaw is very charismatic, uh-huh. but they don't give her a lot of charismatic things to do no, unless they think yeah. screaming is charismatic because she does I,
1: that a lot. I enjoy a Willie Scott's presence in this movie on a comedic level, but like that's all she gets to do. It's it's an and, ebb and, and flow thing and with com- her. compared to like Marion, who is an interesting you know, contrast yeah. to Indy in the first film, and like, like, oh, she can give it right back to him. Yeah. You know, Willie's not giving anything back to oh, Indy. No. He's just punching her the whole time. Not like, literally, but like, you know. Again, Marion, yeah, Marion is perfect
0: in Raiders. So it's like, yeah. again, you're going to have to go somewhere vastly different. Yeah. And man,
1: they really just whiff a lot of the yeah. moments with her. I mean, again, one of the it's best. It's kind of just like the whole time Indy's just basically like kind of laughing and going, she kind of sucks, it's, doesn't it's she? She's like
0: going, shut up, girl. Every time she <laughs> she's. She's an idiot.
1: Yeah. But I mean, there's. You
2: do I to
0: mean, have sex? Yeah. Idiot. Gosh. He's like, yeah, you're at least hot, right? And it's like, my <laughs> Lord, there's no real chemistry between the two of you right no, now. Don't no. do that. But, yeah, there are moments – I do like, if anything, it feels like this is the part of the script that does come through that is not toxic or at least rough on uh, Kate Capshaw and Willie Scott is the fact that Willie has some great moments where, like, she finds a solution yeah. and or it sees the danger before it happens and thus saves <laughs> everybody but, like, doesn't understand that she was, like, basically the reason why they survive. Yeah. And there's, like, a few moments like that. And I do think in the back half of the film – it is fun to see like when she's used to Indy's antics toward the finale of the film when they're
1: on the rope. Yeah. And she's just like,
0: Oh, you fucking asshole. Don't right, do right. that
1: to the and it's like, yeah. Oh God. I like that I like that throughout this movie it kind of feels like this is going to sound weird, but it's almost like a, you know, an observational comic. Like it's like it's like Jerry Seinfeld went through and punched up the script yeah. to where it's like, okay, we've got classically Indiana Jones set pieces. We've got traps in mm-hmm. tombs and switches that got to be pulled and yeah. chasms that have to be jumped. But the character is going to be aware of how absurd the situation is and react accordingly. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the the first movie, it's a little bit more like, okay, well, these are all adventurers and they're gonna Indy's just gonna jump the gap because that's yeah. what he knows how to do. Um, and here you've got yeah willie scott in a position to save short round and indy's life and she's horrified because she has to reach into a hole where that's full of bugs and it's like yeah "Yeah, i'd be i'd be terrified too that wouldn't be great that wouldn't be great Um, i do like the fact that it's like yeah, yeah there's just a lot more it's winking but in in a way that's not like isn't this stupid guys yeah
0: it's it's one of those things where willie is again on paper should be the best part of the film are the most like lovable part but ultimately it just the darkness really pulls her down in a way that it's just like oh this is bumming me out i don't i don't think this needs to happen right now don't do that to her yeah and another part of the temple of doom that is very interesting to me in terms of why they decide to go is like when you take away jones's agency they also kind of take away like the The mystique of like the stone he's looking for, and it's not even the really the thing that like is the interesting part of the adventure. It just ends up being the cult, yeah, that just so happens to have the stone right, and then he kind of right. forgets the stone and then he has it and then he doesn't yeah. and it's with this weird thing where it's like at a certain point, the thuggy cult kind of diverts the story in a way that is <laughs> which is fun. it is again, this is a very fun film that I think is really good. And even though there is some horrible blue screen at times, it is still a blast that tries all these kind of wild things that I think when it does work, it's memorable as hell. And even when it doesn't work, there's still a little bit of a memorable touch to it. Yeah,
1: I find the the parts that don't work about this film to be weirdly charming – um, understandable in, in ways I that when in, in ways that the flaws of maybe some of the other films later in the series i don't find as charming <laughs> um, maybe yeah I, can see I, I think maybe just because this being the first sequel to raiders of the lost ark yeah the indiana jones identity is not nearly as concrete as we see it oh now. no you know Absolutely now not. it's like we know exactly what makes an indie film and what doesn't and yeah. at that time it was like literally the guys who came up with this character are like i don't really know what an indiana jones film and yeah. what isn't so let's just throw stuff in there also and i'm divorced and yeah, that's basically divorced, what the film is and i'm gonna make fun of
0: yeah because yeah, it's funny too because i think at a certain point um spielberg is outright said he doesn't just own temple of doom but he does regret the approach both him sure, and lucas had sure. and but it was also like but he's like but also i met my wife through willie scott <laughs> so like that's i i don't regret the film yeah and that's the energy this film has this has a film that feels like you know 10 to 20 years after you make it you go oh i don't know if i like that. that better but, but it worked out but, hey that i'm glad i you know i snacked that yeah yeah i got to marry her that's great yeah and it's and i mean again that's why i think another thing that kind of throws me off a of temple is that Without Short Round, there's like no heart to this film. Short Com- Round,
1: it's hard to, like, to overstate how effective uh, he is at just and, making you interested. Yeah, and we're
0: not just saying this because Kihi Kwan just won a goddamn Oscar this year. He deserved that yeah, Oscar. Everybody's always for loved Short everything. Round. Yes. And rightfully so. And he is not. Because again, he uh, there was a certain angle that I understood that like people said he was a full-blown stereotype, but you watch but like you watch the film now that is that is not what you think about. That's true. He's yeah. a full-blown, he's a child that is holds his own against yeah. Harrison Ford to the point where the most emotional moment is when he says I love you, Indy. <laughs> at a weird time, but like it really gets you and it works and it makes you realize that for a you know, for Raiders which I think has just love and like heart pouring through like, you know, the, the, the puzzles, the, the events, the music, like you get to temple. And to be honest, the only thing that really pulls any kind of heart out is just watching this kid get
1: thrown into these situations and have a good time. And I think that's something where it's, it's hard to, um, then like thinking about how important short round is to this movie working. And then thinking about, you know, the, in the other two Spielberg sequels we get no more short run I'm it's like, so shocked and it's like Man, he—it it really feels like uh, kind of Mission Impossible, where you get uh, Ving mm-hmm. Rhames and Simon Pegg into your cast, and then you're not letting yeah. them go because now they're great. Yeah. like they're great, oh, yeah. and you're gonna hold on to them. Feels like Short Round should be an essential new character. and yeah. it's like okay, yeah, he's gonna be around, and then no more Short Round, no it's, more, no more cute relationship between this middle-aged adventurer and this yeah. child that he takes. Care and I think
0: of. a lot of the reasons why you know the Mission Impossible series can do that and almost get away with bringing yeah. those back is because I think. Crews and other people want to keep them. Well, oh, as with yeah, yeah. Lucas and Spielberg, their whole goal, because the reason why Marion's not in Temple of Doom is because Lucas and Spielberg wanted to feel like every new film was a different serial sure. you could jump yeah, into. Yeah. And it makes sense. I think, again, I don't think the idea of Willie Scott is bad. No. It's all about the execution and how the fact that, like, this film is just not a bummer, but it's just like, wow. <laughs> this yeah. is so much darker than I remember it being. But at the same time, it gives you goofy set pieces. I love the gong. The gong at the oh, beginning yeah, of the film yeah, yeah. is great. I think anything goes is a wild start to this film, especially with where it ends. Yeah. Um, I think it's. I think the thing that always throws me out with Temple of Doom is how dark it is. But then when it gets silly, it almost feels jarring. Where it's just <laughs> like like the fact that this is a film where a man pulls out a heart out of a guy's chest and it's yeah. taken very seriously. It's very dark. It's kind of it's crazy. And then at the very end of this film, there is a. There's the scene where they're on the rope, uh, the rope bridge, yeah, and yeah. he's and Indy's trying to kick that priest off, and the priest doesn't dig his fingers into Indy's chest. He just lightly pushes his fingers <laughs> on there, yeah. and Harrison Ford's going, "Oh God, ah!" ah. This is like it's so overacting in a way that is like it's so weird how like this film is like trying to deal with child slavery and cults, uh-huh. and like I'm seeing a bunch of dummies get eaten by crocodiles at the right, bottom of the right. river. <laughs> Which is, I mean, again, like you said, and I 100% agree, this is the first sequel to the Indiana Jones franchise when they weren't trying to make more than possibly three. Yeah. So, like, of course, they're going to try and figure out what works. They have similar... They have foundational ideas to an extent to see if, like, they could ebb and flow and kind of bend and twist certain aspects and see if it still works. And some do, some don't. And unfortunately short round not showing up in the other sequels makes it clear they're like they're trying to get new people in each film even though the fourth film clearly doesn't follow that because there's so much time in between three and four but
1: well and even even the third film kind of swings away from all the new strange things temple of doom was trying to do and goes back to kind of a more recognizably classic yes. adventure yeah. story. It almost is like... Even paying homage to certain things from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because
0: that's another thing, too, is Temple of Doom is the only film in the series that doesn't use the Indiana Jones font. It's oh, it's yeah. uh, one of the... Of the 80s films, it's the only one not to have Doug Douglas Soklam as the cinematographer. Because uh-huh. that's another thing, too, is you watch Temple of Doom, Temple of Doom doesn't look like either raiders or last crusade yeah it looks different it, it looks different it looks again it, to me it looks like the 80s in the best way possible in my sure, opinion sure. It, in my opinion raiders the and crusaders and
1: crusade look more look more like the era they're imitating kind yes, of, of like yes. that kind of moody almost noirish. uh, mm-hmm. uh
0: yeah like say like serial look yeah because like if you see like say you watch crusade like the first time i probably would have seen any of these films would probably be in the early 2000s so say like 2002 i watched the last crusade at that point that is a that's about a uh, a 13 year 13 year gap and to me that feels like that's equivalent to like if you watch Tron Legacy now, which is also a 13 year gap where yeah. it's like you you could probably tell that there is 13 years in between, but there are also there are some modern elements to it that like you don't even think about it until you, you know, look at the ages of the actors or yeah. you see this or you that yeah. if you go to Temple of Doom and you go to like 1997, and you watch Temple of Doom. I I cannot think you watch this and not see the 80s the entire time just because like again the decisions they make the darkness of it all the fact that they are working with an age rating that has just existed and they're mm-hmm. getting away with a lot more and yeah. they're also dealing with I mean yeah there's they're not dealing with like an ancient evil they're dealing with a an old cult that is doing some fucked up shit, but also yeah. Indy's here with a whip and he's gonna save the day. Yeah, and it's a va- it's yeah, it's a vastly different tone. I don't think it's a bad choice at all. I think Double Doom is a lot of fun and is definitely always worth a rewatch. To be honest, it's worth a rewatch for short round, <laughs> for how dark it gets, just to see how kind of yeah. wild it gets. But also, arguably the best part, the mind chart scene. Mm, the minecart mm-hmm. scene is fucking incredible. It's still a marvel to watch now because now that I know that a good chunk of it is miniatures and stop motion, right, that right. is so much more impressive than, like, yeah. as a kid where I'm like, wow, well, they made a really long track. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, I just never thought that they could even do stop motion like that. Yeah. And even watching the film and, like, because, again uh, – You don't what really a, think about it. No, because, like, my roommate and our really good really good friend, close friends, Adam, was watching it – Watched. Uh, temple with me and basically like I don't think he knew about the stop motion puppet thing. Mm. So like I told him like here watch this. Watch Indy's neck. It'll go from like an actual neck to like a big old head with no neck (laughs) and you'll see the stop motion. He's like holy shit that's like really good. And it's like yeah this there's so much going on in those scenes that it's clear that like at a certain point and it happened in Raiders too where like a Indiana Jones film at a certain point just stops plot. And just is set piece for a good 15, 20 minutes. And it's like set piece to set piece to set piece. And every one of these films has it. I would hope Dial does. But again, you don't have to say anything. Like, it's one of those things. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's all (laughs) it needs to say. But, like, I mean, arguably, like, if all the things that could you know transfer from film to film even if it gets a different tome each time i think keeping that set piece kind of strategy yeah is the i mean that way is to the keep point it going. right you know these yeah. are
1: adventure movies in the spirit of a classic yeah. adventure where the idea is like yeah we're gonna go see stuff we've never seen before that's larger than life and yeah. like that's that's and, what made Raiders so great. And constantly what,
0: wonder what Harrison Ford's shoe budget was because the man slides on <laughs> shoes while cars are pulling him so fast. Yeah, and I don't know how they do it. <laughs> it yeah. always makes me hurt my feet when I watch like car antics with yeah. Indy.
1: Yeah, I mean that's but, what Indiana Jones is ultimately all yeah. about: is the yeah. the crazy, wild set pieces. Yeah, big, and grand locales.
0: Even though Temple, I would say its final set piece is a little bit more grounded than I think all yeah. the other sequels in this film, in this trilogy. I do think that it's just as impactful because of certain shots. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's funny to think like as a kid, like the shot of the priest, when he gets falling down, when he hits the rocks yeah. before he spins into yeah, the yeah, water yeah. where it's like, that's so fucked up. Yeah. It's <laughs> that's weird. That's yeah. really weird. Um, there's, there's a lot of good shit in temple of doom. I really like it. I would, uh it's not my least favorite of the sequels by far but like i do think that like this time around i'm like okay i really appreciate the choices they make i don't think it's my favorite no yeah. and, and i think I, we- will,
1: I will say i think i enjoyed re-watching temple more than i enjoyed rewatching any of the others Uh, only because mm -hmm. I had forgotten how much different it was and how silly Uh it was. Makes sense, Um, yeah. Because, I mean, Temple Like Raiders, I know exactly what Raiders is. Like I've seen it, you know, Mm -hmm. it's ubiquitous and yeah, I'm familiar with it intimately. And rewatching it was like, aha, yes, that's Raiders. And then Temple, I was like, this movie's fucking weird, what? Yes, it is, it Um, is. And then, yeah, I mean, we'll talk more about it in a minute, but yeah, Last Crusade then kind of goes more back to the the Raiders stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is, I remember Mm -hmm. this yeah but temple was like wow there's there's a a, that's a wild movie
0: yeah there's a good quote i think not only encapsulates this trilogy incredibly well but also i think anytime we talk about sequels of the future when we do more of these because we do have more of these in the pipeline yeah i think perfectly captures just kind of like the difficulty of doing a sequel especially if it's a sequel to a beloved if not perfect film where at one point spielberg said the danger in making a sequel is that you can never satisfy everyone. Right. If you give people the same movie with different scenes, they say, why weren't why, why weren't they more original? Yeah. But if you give them the same character in another fantastic adventure, but with a different tone, you risk disappointing the other half of the audience who just wanted a carbon copy of the first film yeah. with a different girl and a different bad guy. So you win and you lose both ways. And that is not only the perfect way to kind of end us talking about Temple of Doom because you see why the critical reception for that film at the time is very mixed, but got more love over time because of the kind of the risky choices they make. Yeah. It also explains as to why when you go into The Last <laughs> why Crusade,
1: the film goes the opposite why
0: now. The Last <laughs> Crusade, in my opinion, is fucking phenomenal, but it also is a film that is constantly making you go, this ah. is Raiders again. Yeah, remember, remember
1: it's Indiana Jones.
0: Yeah, remember this is what you love, yeah. but we're going to add more set pieces. Yeah. We're going to add more locales. I think out of all these films, this has the most locales in terms of they go to Italy, yeah, they, they go really to globe trot. Yeah, they themselves. go to the Middle East, they go they have a North American set piece. Oh, they yeah. have They have so many different set pieces in different locales in this in in 3. They go to uh, Leipzig or yeah, they, go, they yeah. go to Austria, I think you at get one point. You a
1: prequel point. segment at the beginning. That uh,
0: I love the prequel segment. Uh, River Phoenix. River Phoenix. Young
1: uh, you get to see the origin of Harrison Ford's I chin
0: Scar. Fucking <laughs> love it. I love it. i also love the fact that um in the beginning of the last crusade the fact that they treat what well, i love the fact that the guy that is not indiana jones but is clearly harking ford like basically a ford impersonator who inspires oh, Harrison, yeah. who inspires the proto you know what his name is in the credits oh. fedora he doesn't have a name because they never he's, say his he name is the fedora. but he is the he's fedora. defined he's, by it he's defined by his fedora but i love the introduction of river is very similar to the original film, of course, where it's basically he, right. walks, into the sh- he walks from the shadows into the light. Yeah. And they don't do that in Temple. In Temple, you just see a suave man walk down a bunch of stairs, and it's not a grimy old Indiana Jones. It's no. a sexy Indiana Jones.
1: Well, he, he was a younger man. Though. He
0: was. He was. And then with Last Crusade, not only do you get the opening original, you get Douglas Slocum coming back as director of photography. And yeah. It, it literally, it's so weird. Because when I watched Last Crusade, I watched it with one of my other roommates Friday, and friday had never seen any of the sequels yeah he'd only seen raiders and so he gets into last crusade and he goes oh is there one before this and i'm like it's temple and he's like oh temple of doom like should i watch it and i was like yeah you should but like you really don't need to watch it to watch last crusade and get this or feel like you're missing anything because in all honesty last crusade it's not like it's embarrassed by temple of doom but because it's a prequel (laughs) does not have to address it at
1: all right
0: because it really doesn't (laughs) right it it rarely has any moments that feels like aha, that's a reference to Willie. Yeah, that's there, a reference are, there to short are so round. many
1: callbacks to Raiders, and like yes. I can't even think of one to no. Temple of Doom. The fact um, that, like, could you imagine? Which is fitting. It's yeah, appropriate.
0: Yeah, could you imagine when they went into like the con- like the the Tomb of the Three Brothers? <laughs> there's like a there's a mural of the of the Lost Ark, and then there's a mural of
1: <laughs> the col- like something. Yeah, or yeah the someone pouring a heart something. out. Yeah, <laughs> and he goes,
0: I don't want to talk about that. Right, <laughs> or like. <laughs> but yeah last crusade going into it it's like by i mean if you love raiders like i do like i mean last crusade i think gives you exactly what you want however if you watch the film and you go is walter donovan kind of Belloc again the answer is yeah yeah pretty much and it's like so we're doing the nazis again and it's right. like yeah pretty yeah, much pretty much uh, are we gonna do another gag that's like this? Like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh are they going to do the same music cue like this? Yeah. Are they going to do that? It's another
1: like, indie racing against a group of bad guys to yes. find a lost holy relic mm-hmm. of, of Christian or Judeo Christian origin. Are you going to
0: ask John Reese Davies to get back into a tanned face to play Sala and come and help him with his cute little uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fez? Right. fez. Um, yeah, of course. But at the same time, I think spielberg lucas and the cat i mean i think it's it's it jeffrey bobs that does the script for this one
1: uh, i believe so yeah because
0: apparently another thing too and i think this is the reason why in my opinion i think last crusade yeah. is the better of all these sequels is the fact that, like there is a five-year gap between the release of temple of doom and the release of last crusade they mm-hmm. took their sweet ass time to read all the different scripts they were throwing at them and go nope no thank you don't like this to find the one that they're like this could work, we could make this work, and then basically beef it up with a bunch of ideas they couldn't use in Raiders, they couldn't use in Temple, but ultimately put it into a story that, in my opinion, really captures what an Indiana Jones sequel should do, but also the not really doesn't hurt the film, but it's what could be the downfall of doing this again, yeah. Because, in my opinion, too, Last Crusade is like if Raiders of the Lost Ark made George and Steven like shoot their left foot. Because they did so well. Last Crusade, in my opinion, they shot the right foot. Where it's like, yeah. I don't know where the fuck you go after the Last Crusade. If, if an Indiana Jones sequel is doing Raiders again, but just different enough, it's Yeah, fun. if
1: you've only had three movies and you're already like, well, we got to go back to the basics. Yeah, yeah especially um, when
0: you call it The Last Crusade. Yeah, it really like, feels
1: like, okay, clearly we have nowhere else to go from here. And we're going to go it, out on a bang, and that's we're just going to be done with they it.
0: They fucking do. And also, I think there's a lot of elements in Temple that are a little bit more perfected in this, where it's like, with Willy and Temple U, like we talked about, gets the, like, oh, she's a stranger in a strange land, she is the most civilized of the three, and she has no idea what the fuck she's doing, and she doesn't know how to adventure. Because yeah. why would she? Yeah. She hasn't. She's just met Indy, like, five days ago. And that's being nice about it. It's probably more like two. <laughs> well, as you know, in Last Crusade, you get a little bit of that... For a smaller period of time with Marcus Brody, who I love Marcus. I love Marcus in Raiders. And then in Last Crusade, Marcus, who's now a part of the traveling team as part of the boys that goes on the adventures, has no fucking clue what he's doing. (laughs) Which leads to one of the best jokes in the film where basically Indy is hyping him up to the Nazis and how they could not find him. Hard cut to Marcus Brody getting lost. Uh And it's like, that's such a good bit. And I think you get the same energy from that you would get from Willie, but even better because they're actually unfortunately they're writing the men better than the woman in that regard. Yeah. And ultimately you get like you get a better love interest. I think there's better chemistry with uh Harrison Ford and uh Elsa. Sh- is it Schneider?
1: Yes. Il Il, Il- Ilsa or Elsa. Ilsa, yeah. Uh
0: who if any of you out there are fans of RRR, you would know her as ray stevenson's wife right yeah who uh, has the who, she the who plays the the evil the evil uh queen not queen but like right but like uh basically. ray
1: stevenson's the general over the yeah. british colony of india evil, and... evil
0: british general's wife yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh there's great chemistry between the two of them but again it's not marion so it doesn't really work as well it's just a different flavor of things yeah. Uh, you also get in uh, Last Crusade what I feel like shows where they would have gone if they made a 90s Indiana Jones, but ultimately what leads to the television series, the young Indiana Jones television series in the 90s, as well as some of the decisions they make in Indiana Jones 4, whereas in Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's a really good set piece. It's a really good... Uh, Timepiece of the era without feeling like, you know, Indiana Jones is stumbling into big events. In Last Crusade, he literally trips into an Adolf Hitler rally (laughs) with a book burning and gets a signature by Hitler. Yeah. And from that point forward, it feels like anything Indiana Jones related has to have him not really tripping into silly situations, but ultimately like, whoa, this is a historic moment. I can't believe I'm here for that, which happens a lot in The Adventures of Young Indiana Jones. Right, right. And so you get a new thing with that. You also get a dynamic that you get, per se, in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but again, you can't do any better than this, and that is the father-son dynamic between Henry Jones Sr. and Henry Jones Jr. Yeah. As, you know, even though, like, you know, in the first film, you get most of that dynamic is dedicated to the love between Marion and Indy, and Last Crusade is between the kind of rekindling of the love between a father and a son as they get to see each other yeah, kind of in their yeah. natural habitat, as well as get to know each other better, which is in my opinion where I prefer last crusade the most. Cause I think the heart there is so much more forward. And I think hits a lot more because of just how good Ford and Connery are. Mm-hmm. Cause I think like, in my opinion, the best Indiana Jones stuff is the silliness, not outweighing the levity but honestly balancing each other out where you have like like,
1: silliness not outweighing like the the earnestness yes the earnestness i think it's a good way yeah Yeah, the
0: heart of it where it's like you know there's there's moments of levity in between each set piece but like to really give it some push you gotta care you have to give a shit Uh about a lot of these characters and i think to me i genuinely do give a shit about even marcus marcus and sala and henry jones senior to like the point where like the end of the tank sequence <laughs> in this film where like the tank slides off oh yeah, and it bl- goes over like i always remember the man's goofy face as like it blue screens into oblivion <laughs> but like when henry jones senior goes i just need five more minutes i, sh- I needed five more minutes that's it like oh, yeah connery is selling the shit out of that scene and that's the scene that i'm like that's what i like about these films when it does it best where it's like you get that moment And it doesn't take away from the silliness. It honestly, both of them complement each other. And speaking of silliness, this movie is a goddamn cartoon, even more than Temple of Doom. Mm -hmm. Like last crusade, it's almost like they saw what they did with Temple and they're like, ah, it's too dark, but the silly shit, we're going to amp it (laughs) because there is so many goofs and gaffes. And of course there's a reference at one point, they, they say the Marx Brothers out loud, and there's some elements that feel like the Marx Brothers. Yeah, yeah. Like the fireplace goof, <laughs> um, the pi- the umbrella
1: and the birds. Yeah, there's quite there's, a lot of slapstick.
0: Yeah, no ticket is such a good line.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, where he just, like, punches and throws a Nazi <laughs> general off a blimp and goes, no ticket. And no then ticket. everyone puts their ticket up scared. that's going to punch him and throw him off. Like, there's just... There's, in my opinion, there's a lot more to latch onto in Last Crusade, but it also, like I said prior, um, it's a lot of stuff that like you already knew you liked. Yeah, a lot, it's of, a lot it, of stuff it does, that's in Raiders
1: taking you back on a tour through familiar, uh, yeah, territory.
0: But since it's the third film in the in the franchise, it has more money than Raiders, so it can do more things, do crazier stunts, do crazier shit, more locales. So like, yeah, this is it's it's understandable. I think is like. I saw how you kind of – on Letterboxd, I saw that you preferred Temple more than you mm-hmm. did this one. And I understand why on rewatches where it's like if you like the weird shit and the, just how wild Temple goes and you go into Last Crusade and it's just like a goddamn cartoon a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. It is it is another it's another shock to the system, but it's also like a uh, – I, I guess this makes sense. Yeah, like, You can go back I, to I this. I think I just
1: – I kind of like the idea of the these each adventure kind of – shifting to match the tone of a new of an you know the the relic or the the yeah. conflict at hand and yeah i think for me it was just like well it kind of feels like i'm going backwards in this series by watching last crusade and i still really like last crusade i'm not yeah. not <laughs> uh, dogging it but no, yeah. yeah it was definitely like a oh well we did one sequel and now we're already going kind of back to formula
0: i mean it also probably doesn't help that at this point in their careers like lucas is i mean i don't know what the fuck lucas is doing at this point other than producing stuff yeah and maybe trying to get other things off the ground even spielberg
1: i think was kind of ready to move on to other stuff because i think i mean he i've read some comment he made where he was like while we were trying to figure out this movie i like felt myself regressing as a filmmaker yeah and i think that's because like you know as he was had ambitions to tell other stories which like if you look at his filmography in the 90s, it's just like, yeah, he was just like brimming with desire to do oh my other gosh. wild things. Um, yeah. You can totally understand why it's like, yeah, maybe I'll just like stick to what works and give people one more good one mm-hmm. and and keep it there. Um, yeah, you,
0: you've got a man that during Temple of Doom is like not hit the E.T. craze yet. Like he's still, yeah. at, at this point, did yeah. it just come out or is about to come
1: out? E.T. is
0: is it 85 uh, 85 i thought yeah. or, it's, or it's like so like it's pre-et it's oh, like E.T. Is 82 temple of doom is 84 no so shit. yeah i guess he was
1: he he was oh. mr et at that point.
0: okay so at that point yeah but i I, got, I know during temple when they were shooting temple it was during like the time frame where it's like they need him for fucking et yeah yeah so I, I couldn't remember when or where that was but yeah even then like being two years divorced from – no, no pun intended on that, but two years divorced from E.T. compared <laughs> to seven years yeah. really does put a different perspective because it's like when E.T. comes out, has become a craze. This is a man that has had to fight for nearly every film he's had to do at this point, even though being the man that created Jaws, Close Encounters, yeah. fucking all these films. And then E.T. happens, and then it's like whatever Spielberg wants to put his name on or help with, he can do it. Yeah. And then he becomes the blockbuster man. And it's clear, like I yeah, it's it's no surprise that like when he hits Last Crusade, like I think you get some of the best shit directing wise from him as an action blockbuster director. Yeah. But as an quote unquote tour like you get you get Last Crusade, you get an Indiana Jones film, but you're not yeah. seeing Spielberg spark up.
1: Well, and it's also and like, what was he doing in between Temple of Doom and Last Crusade? He's doing The Color Purple. Yes. He's doing Empire of the Sun. Yes. Always, all more like serious and they, kind of moody dramas, and it's like they're not okay, as
0: popular as his other
2: stuff. Yeah,
1: but but well received. No, like, I, no I'm not, saying, critically. That's, so I'm not he's saying it's like, a bad thing. Clearly, kind of his mind his frame of mind as a filmmaker and storytellers kind of moving yeah. into like, okay, I want to do stuff a little bit more seriously and, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think it's really funny
0: to think that by the nineties at that point, a lot of up and coming filmmakers at that point, I mean, including the late, in my opinion, late, great John Singleton, like a lot of yeah. people wanted to be Spielberg, but to look at his career and what he did. Yeah. He got to do a lot of variety, but a lot of that variety meant at some point, his variety would have to run out and have to go back to doing the thing that people like loved him to do. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, yeah, he does color purple, he does Empire of the Sun, but when you talk to someone, you sit down with somebody and you talk about Spielberg, neither one of those films are the first five things that no, come up. No, no, no. Even though both those films, yeah, like you said, are critically regarded, have great casts, you know, have a fun, are fun, yeah. well done films in different Spielberg wise Ultimately, you get the same people when they talk about Spielberg. You get. Indiana Jones, Jaws, ET are like the top 3 for a lot yeah. of people. Or after the 90s saving even Private then, Ryan. saving by yeah. Ryan Schindler's List, when he actually gets to do something more serious. But even then, after he did all those films, he tries something like <coughs> Minority Report, yeah. which is kind yeah. of was as well received to an extent, but was also like this is weird for yeah, this
1: is like a sci-fi yeah. action, yeah.
0: And then he does AI which is yeah. which was a Kubrick film that ultimately, you know, he ended up doing and that's a weird ass film that if we can find a trilogy to do, I will do that film. Yeah. Cuz that's an odd one. Then you also have Munich, where I think right. Munich's like that era of like he it's... is doing yet another serious,
1: yeah, r rated drama. back and forth. Yeah. yeah.
0: And again, this is the same man that 10 years after Munich will ultimately like work on the BFG. We'll yeah. do Ready Player One after that. And then West Side Story. Yeah. The, uh, what is it? The Post. Right. Bridge of Spies. like the Fablemans. Yeah. The Fablemans, which I still haven't seen. I do want to see. But ultimately, like, yeah, he is wanting to be like Spielberg, especially in terms of his filmography, means you're going to really have to do some ebbs and flows and ultimately like almost get uh, pigeonholed <laughs> for yeah, a good little yeah. period of time. And then just like, then he gets to do something he really wants to do. And ultimately with Last Crusade, you see him excelling as best as he possibly can in making an Indiana Jones sequel. Which I think works in the film's favor by basically taking everything he's already done once and strengthening a lot of the sections to make it just as good, if not just a little lesser than Raiders. But ultimately, yeah, when you get to Last Crusade you either love that film almost maybe even love it more than the first one because of like the father son angle or yeah, it ultimately plays
1: the sentiment a little harder.
0: Yeah. Or ultimately you respect it and you love it, but you know, which the best one is that original 80s yeah. trilogy. And that's Raiders.
1: Yeah. I mean, it really is last crusade really is kind of like a, uh, Return of the Jedi where it's like Yeah. Yeah, we gotta go back and yeah. do all the things everybody loves about it's this stuff. hundred percent better, but at the same well, time, yes. Well, sure. But um
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was a hot take, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the
1: crusade is better than Return I of the Jedi. Think so. I yeah. love I like Return of the Jedi a lot more, I think. Okay. Um but anyway, um, I li- yeah. Um I think it's it's just yeah, it's we're gonna kinda go back to that formula, do a yeah. lot of, of mm-hmm. things that people remember but it's also maybe going to be like a little bit sillier and, and yes. than the original.
0: Oh, a little silly. It's going to be yeah. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, after Last Crusade there is a gap. Not a gap in Indiana Jones content because in the early 90s, 92, 93, you get 26 episodes of a young Indiana Jones show <laughs> right. yeah. where like all those episodes are like pushing 70 to 90 minutes. Yeah uh has a very interesting cast (laughs) and harrison ford actually shows up for a episode but it's a very interesting idea apparently i the validity of this is always depending because it's lucas but apparently there was 70 ideas for stories that lucas made for the show and wanted to go to all 70 yeah and ultimately only went to 26 yeah but it's funny to think that like there's an alternate reality where that there's a young Indiana Jones show that goes for like seven seasons <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and has that many episodes. But after, you know, young Indiana Jones adventures, there is that period where like Spielberg is doing his own thing. Lucas is doing his own thing. Maybe they'll come together. producer wise. Maybe, you know, Lucas will do something else. I don't know a little thing called the prequel trilogy of star Wars. <sighs> you have Spielberg literally going from like Schindler's list to Jurassic Park to fucking, he does another thing in between, I think, Jurassic Park and Lost World, but it is escaping me. But basically, like, I think... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he uh, the 90s, he has, like, five or six films under his belt. Mm, yeah. And you go into the 2000s, and at that point, there have been multiple, multiple, multiple Indy Jones 4 scripts. <laughs> yeah, right. To the degree that, like, we talked about in the last episode, I believe, like, Frank Darabont had one that yeah. Spielberg liked, but Lucas didn't. right. Lucas really wanted really wanted and you can see it in four, <laughs> wanted aliens. Yeah. Wanted aliens to the point where I think at one point there were two different titles, two different scripts, but still pretty reminiscent titles. Indiana Jones and the saucer men from Mars and Indiana <laughs> Jones and the Little Green Men or something like right, that. Right, right. There were two like clearly work in progress, but like apparently when those like people would read those titles, they'd go, Absolutely not. <laughs> not gonna fucking do that. And so, like, for the longest time, there was nothing with Indiana Jones. Yeah. There was arguably, if you got anything with Indiana Jones, rarely people would talk about the show. It is the trilogy, it is the original 80s films. Nothing will ever top them. No way they're ever going to make another one. Yeah. Well, you know, 2007 comes around and we get a lot of, you know, we get a new footage. We see mm-hmm. Harrison Ford's in it. Oh, my gosh, this is going to be great. <laughs> You know, they're bringing it back. Lucas is done with the prequel trilogy of Star Wars. Those went with a bang. No one had any issues with those. Spielberg has had not an interesting or not an odd career in the early 2000s. Like, they've both... Let's go into Indiana Jones 4 and not expect anything weird. Yeah. So you go into 2008 with Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And you have, in my opinion, a film that has been shot on a little too much. But it's arguably... The weakest of these three films sure. and that's not a hot take whatsoever yeah it's a film that has the essence of indie in its bones it clearly is an indiana jones film and it knows what makes indiana jones works it has a more modern look to it um a big thing that really changes the look of the film is the director of photography uh, Janus kaminsky i believe yeah. so who pretty much does from Saving Private Ryan. Schindler's List. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, basically from Schindler's List on to fucking Fableman's. Yeah. Like, has been Spielberg's go-to director of photography. Yeah. And while it looks different, unlike Temple of Doom, it doesn't feel like it's so vastly different that it's a different type of film. It just feels like a more modern feel to the classic Indiana Jones vibe. The modern the modern switch, which is what it's clearly yeah. trying to attempt
1: but you know what I was I was taken aback watching this movie by like uh, maybe the first 15 20 minutes of the movie just how much it looks like last Crusade like yeah. how, how similar no. it looks to those 80s films and I was like you know what this is impressive and yeah. of course as the set pieces kind of evolve and you get into mm-hmm. more digital stuff clearly the yes. the gap widens um, but like, i was still really kind of invigorated at first by like wow they really like came out trying to capture that feel yeah i, um, I think and too, i admire that
0: yeah and i agree with that and i honestly think the thing that got me to feel that way is not even the look of the film to me it's the f- look and sound of harrison ford in general oh sure like would he talk for the first time because in my head i mean this is because again we're both we're both young like harrison ford's been old
1: yeah he's been old it's, most of our lives,
0: yeah, even when I look at like him in the original Star Wars, even in American graffiti, it's hard not to look at that man and just feel like he's old, yeah, like a leather couch come to life right like there's just right. a seasoned there's a seasoned energy from him from yeah. like his very early roles to now, yeah, so like when I think of Indiana Jones, I think of like how he was like in the forties like when he's in his forties basically when he was doing the sequels in the 80s yeah because i right. think he was in his late 30s in raiders yeah. to like kingdom of the crystal skull where he's like in my head he's super old and really he's not yeah compared to now where it's like he's now in his 80s and back then he's like yeah. in his mid to late 60s but when he talks it's like last crusade happened yesterday mm-hmm. like it, the energy in his like energy in his line delivery yeah his swagger like, right. his, like, his just bravado, it just feels his like... His physicality, he still yeah. looks really good. He clearly, as much as he... It's not that he doesn't hate Han Solo, but he clearly has a favorite between the two <laughs> because his approach to Indiana Jones is like... So much more, back. yeah. He's just Full-bodied. It's his. Yeah. Which is, I mean, again, a great thing that this film... Like, one of the great things this film does is like it does not try to pass the torch. Yeah. No, it is not yeah. trying to be like, oh, don't worry. We'll get Indiana Jones 5, but it's not Indiana Jones. It's his son. Yeah, I think in a, reality. a
1: lot of people maybe uh, misreacted to uh, Mutt Williams yeah, in this film because. Oh, there's a lot of things that sure, people sure, misreacted sure. to in this but, film. But yeah, right. this film introduces a, a, a son for Indiana Jones who is yeah. similarly spirited for adventure and kind of combative in his own way yeah, it's not even figurative um, it's
0: his literal son yeah it's a, it's, um, as a
1: guest it's a surprise son yes uh in the form of shia labeouf um named mutt williams and yeah i think a lot of people probably just from the moment that it was revealed were like oh no they're trying to give us a mm-hmm. new indiana jones to carry the franchise forward and like you watch the movie and clearly that's not the point no like, yeah <laughs> it's just It's just something to do. It's just something to give indie as a new dynamic.
0: Yeah, there's a there's an element to the film that is supposed to be the heart of the film, and I do think at moments there are phenomenal lines that add to that heart, but it's fleeting. Yeah, and that is the element of time, the element of things are changing. You know, treasure hunting's changing. The people that are involved are changing. The enemies are changing. And the fact that, the like... The world's focus is changing, yeah. too. And the fact that, like, there's also an element to it where it's not changing. It's just that you're getting older. Yeah. And there's that element that, like, works really well. And even though there's, like... Clearly, there's there are two parts of this film missing, which are big... I mean, three. Because you don't have John Rhys-Davies in this. Cause, I Because mean, right. the, the man has his Lord of the Rings money. and doesn't yeah. probably need to come back when they aren't really going to the Middle East of this film. And you have, I think, Marcus, who passed away at this point, the actor. Mm-hmm and sean connery who was retired at the time i thought i think so yeah because he retired after league of extraordinary yeah, Gentlemen. which was like oh four or something yeah oh three oh four so like at that point you have you know two of the bigger heart kind of like the silliness and also the heart of the last film gone yeah and then you have sala who's not there there so it's like it's indie by himself and so they're like well we have to build him a new crew yeah When you really didn't have to but basically they <laughs> they build the crew out again and it ultimately becomes, by the end of the film, a professor you're just introduced in this film, played by John Hurt, long, you know, late yeah. and great, you know, rest in peace, the man <laughs> Who's, fucking.
1: whose character is mentally not with it for 95% of the film.
0: Yeah, he is. His name is Ox, which yeah. is a great name for, uh, for a guy. Is...
1: Oxburg? I think, uh, Oxley. Is Oxley, Oxley, yeah, I think yeah.
0: it's like Robert Oxley or yeah, something like, like that. Like his last name is Oxley, uh, which sounds like a Spider-Man, a Spider-Man villain that yeah. portrays an ox. Yeah, uh, you have Marion who comes back and is surprised is Mutt's mom. Right. So, and it, it implies that you know Marion and Indy saw each other a little bit after you know Raiders, Raiders and then yeah. like he had cold didn't feet. Work out. Yeah, left a wedding beforehand. And then you have Mutt, you have Indy, and then you have another character that is a great actor. I like him as an actor, but it's really just not no reason for him to be there. And that is Mac, oh, played yeah. by Ray Winston. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he Or Woodstone, however you pronounce it. But yeah. a character that, in my opinion, out of all the new characters, out of uh, Crystal Skull, he is probably my least favorite just because, like, I don't know why he's there. Yeah, his part in the story, anytime Indy feels like he gives an inkling of a shit for him, it's like, why do you care?
1: Yeah, well, he's introduced very similarly to Alfred Molina's character in Raiders. Yes, Alfred he is. Molina's yes. very fleeting character, where it's like, uh-huh. oh, okay, this is a guy that Indy has worked with. Mm-hmm. You know, they have—I mean, it's implied they have more of a relationship. Yes. than Alfred yes, Molina's character, yeah. of course. But like, yeah, you—you you really just kind of get the impression, okay, these guys know each other, they're allies, whatever. Immediate twist, I guess, and Mac is working for the enemy and and uh, betrays yes. Indy, and it's like, okay, so from the get-go, I'm kind of like, I don't really give a shit about this guy because he's a douche. Yeah, it's you also know, they, they do threw the- Indy under the bus immediately. Mm-hmm.
0: And also they, they try to build their characters with the Lucas School of Exposition where it's almost like the elevator scene in Attack of the Clones that's <laughs> yeah. trying to fill in the space and being like, right, yeah. remember all these, remember Berlin Indy? Wink. And it's like, I don't know Berlin and yeah. you're not going to explain it. I don't know it. what you guys are talking about. Yeah, and it's like, it's clearly there had to be somebody else that could have been in that role, especially if they were trying to do this yeah. in the 90s and they couldn't do it. And so ultimately- you know, it's it's and one then, of those
1: yeah. You kind of spend the whole movie wondering like, why is this guy still here? Yeah, um, he
0: has the energy of like a create your own character in a video game <laughs> that like you could put anybody in. Right, like, right. Like it's
1: really just like he really doesn't leave an impression, really. Yeah,
0: and the impression he leaves is not that great because after he t- betrays Indy, he tries to make him trust him again, and then ultimately betrays him again. Yeah. And basically, by the end of it, I think he's a triple agent in his mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just because basically he just has a bunch of debt and he wants and he wants gold to help pay it. It's that basic, but they have a weird, complicated, convoluted way to describe it. Yeah, but yeah, instead of the Nazis, you get the Russians. You get uh, Ivana Spelkov or Smilkov, uh, Kate Blanchett, yeah, uh, Spalko, Spalko.
1: Irina. Mm -hmm. i think Irina Spalka,
0: who i believe gives the right kind of energy for this film she is she is committed a little too hard (laughs) for a ukrainian uh pseudoscientist that also has a rapier and is really good at fighting (laughs) uh she is she's given the energy that is like out of all the indiana jones villains is i mean it's the most it's the most unique because it's a woman it's also and that like basic level, but at weirdly the, the
1: most pronounced villain. Like I don't really, yeah. when I think about the other Indiana Jones movies, the villains are not one of the first things I think about. Like they're no, kind no, of no. just assholes who are doing yeah. their thing or whatever. You know, they're either Nazis. Well, I mean, the guy in the first one, he's distinctive because of his look. Yes. Um, uh The you know Kali he's kind of you know the that uh he doesn't guys.
0: show up until like an hour in yeah <laughs> and
1: he's just they don't have like a conversation really or like a, a yeah. relationship so it's like okay hmm. he's just an evil wizard yeah. um and then, and then uh you get repeat guy in last of last crusade yeah you, kind get, of just, you get
0: donovan who is i mean is again, like we talked about, not exactly like Belloc, but just no, enough. Yeah. He is using the not, he is not a Nazi, but he is using the Nazis <laughs> for his own personal himself gain. with the, yeah. yeah. And
1: then you get, yeah, Cate Blanchett, you get this like very clear cut silhouette of a character who's this very mm. specific uh way of speaking and this, yeah. these very specific mannerisms and uh, appearances. Is, and it's like, okay, this is yeah. like the most clearly cut out. Mm -hmm. character villain ever like in this series working
0: for stalin and is not trying to fuck (laughs) over stalin she is genuinely trying to find a way to further further his yeah Yeah. and it's like yeah it's kind of weird how like how it's the probably the most close to like the most simplistic villain we've gotten and it just feels like a breath of fresh air like yeah oh that's cool great yeah And also, she's, like, physically intimidating. Like, she's not, like, a shit brick house or anything. But as soon as a sword comes out super fast, it's, like... She's an actual force who gets in fights and stuff, which is different from other villains. I know it's just mutt when she fights, but it is, like, something to watch her beat the shit out of Shia LaBeouf. (laughs) Where it's, like, she's really holding her own. They really did a good job with the choreography there. Yeah, But, yeah, it is... It almost... It's funny, too, because I think Crystal Skull has a Temple of Doom-esque opening where it's, like... it's over the in, top. Over the top, but also like area fifty one. And then once it happens, it is a vastly different kind of locale scenario and yeah. kinda of pushed away from that. And like they do that in Raiders as well, but I feel like it's more it, it feels more like temple in Raiders of the Lost Ark because instead of it being like we start in a jungle and now we're in a sand, we're like we're in the Middle East now, we're at the, we're in Egypt in crystal skull it's like we're at area 51 now we're going to el dorado and it's like hold the fuck on what's that first (laughs) part you said yeah and yeah the film starts in area 51 it's a blast it's honestly
1: yeah i really love that sequence yeah it's all uh, the way up through the it's through the uh, nuke fridge uh,
0: nuke fridge is so good yeah nuke fridge is so silly and in my opinion like it's just on brand with everything else we've seen at that point yeah and it's like come on he fell from a raft and survived do you think that's gonna really kill him
1: yeah uh i do love how absurdly like violent the the way they animate the fridge crashing yes. is and, yeah. then he, and then old man Harrison Ford just rolls out like ah that was yeah. hard
0: yeah i just like it's, it's like even if he braced himself he would have broken most of the bones of his body be
1: mush inside yeah that it was fridge. so
0: great yeah. um I also – I think there's one thing that this film actually has above all the sequels, even Raiders. This has the most Professor Indy shit of yeah, all of it. Yeah. Not even, like, him in, like, an, a Professor outfit. It's more the fact that, like, him he is such
1: – thinking Professor Orly. Yeah, he's yeah.
0: such an old teacher. He's such a tenured teacher in this film yeah. in the way that, like – because I love the fact that, like, the whole – I love the whole like look and uh visual of Indy leading all the Ukrainian soldiers through area 51 to find the right. Like, I need right. shells. I need shells. Yeah, was, like, give me, break, give me. Yeah. Yeah. Give me your bullets and like breaking shells. And when they're all watching, as he's doing science experiments, in area 51. <laughs> yeah. And then later in the film, you have like all the mutt, uh, Indy like interactions where there's a lot of good, like kind of present, like uh professor stuff out mm-hmm, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you also get that in the dry sand pit. Right. Where it's like it's not quicksand. Yeah. It's uh it's something else. And he's trying to explain it to Mutt. Right. Well, Marriott's getting pissed. Like <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff in this film. Yeah.
1: And I think I, it's a it's a really charming mm-hmm. I think the return to Andy.
0: Well, yeah, well, I mean, I I've told this off mic to Andy, and this is gonna be a hot take. I can't wait to see people react if they actually I mean, it is I personally believe that this is a better This is a better film in the Indiana Jones franchise in terms of, like, capturing Indiana Jones better than the Star Wars prequels capture Star Wars. In my opinion. Sure. Like, I I think in my opinion, I like Crystal Skull probably more than all of the prequels.
1: Yeah, I mean, even just as, yeah, even discounting the ways, okay, how Mm -hmm. successfully does it carry forward the Indiana Jones stuff? Even aside from the legacy stuff, just, like as a movie by itself, I just kind of think it's better Mm -hmm. than really any of the prequels. Yeah,
0: because when I sat down and watched this with my roommates, uh, Adam was like, all right, at this point, like there's a certain point, I remember this film gets boring at one point, right? And I'm like, I kind of remember there might be that time as well. And I'm watching it and I'm like, I'm not bored.
1: See, yeah. I'm having a good time. This is still going. Yeah, the interesting thing about this one is like, okay, so a, a big knock you can say against temple is that it does it gets boring in the middle it's like wild bangers in the beginning and toward the end but like it gets kind of slow um but like this where the lull would be it's not that it's boring like it has plenty Mm -hmm. of set pieces and things going on i think it's i think that's just when the movie kind of moves full tilt into like okay this feels like a modern movie now yeah this feels like there's Mm -hmm. you know we got swinging with the with the monkeys in the jungle and it's like this is a little but a little a little too i don't know yeah uh, not only absurd but kind of almost too polished technically and like smoothed Mm -hmm. over. Yeah, Crystal Um, Skull
0: has the weakest It it doesn't get more. Yeah. It has the weakest of the set piece kind of like uh, back to back to back in terms of like clearly a lot of the stuff where it's like all the driving sequences are not honestly don't throw you off. It's when they do the inserts of the close ups or like when they actually get more (laughs) of the fighting happening on top of the cars like where it really starts to be like okay Everything around them, because to me, I was talking to, I was like, Adam, this doesn't net. Honestly, animation wise, it doesn't look awful. It actually has aged well. What hasn't aged well is the motion blur around every single oh, person. Yeah. There's a lot of motion blur, and I think that really fucks with everything else. Yeah, because all the animations are not bad. No, like the monkeys don't. No, they look, look like pretty shit. good. It's groundhogs it's, look rough, yeah. but
1: it's when you're watching this clearly filmed in camera car moving down a path yes and everything around it is like way too fuzzy and glossy and Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah if you if yeah if you if you wonder what we're talking about yeah if you if you've ever watched a film and it's like there is a fast sequence happening but it feels a little off because everything around it seems a little fuzzy or a little bit kind of warped a lot of the times there could be motion blur attached to a shot and there is absolutely motion blur attached to that finale (laughs) to the to the final like kind of jungle run stretch. Yeah. But yeah, this this film yeah, this film doesn't let up. There are some good indie bits throughout the entirety of yeah. the film. I mean, like, a good way to explain it too is like what Andy said. Like you would expect this film to kind of slow down, but it never does. And when you kind of like think, oh maybe this is the moment, you get Indiana Jones shooting a blow dart into a An assassin's mouth and killing him. (laughs) I forgot Um, about that. You get like when they find the actual when they find the crystal skull, right? And they're just like these these fucking mummy looking things, and they just pull out this giant ass. Yeah, the crystal skulls themselves look so fucking good. Yeah, they look really cool. And the sound effects, Mm -hmm. the, Mm the 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 magnetic aspects of it. Yeah, I mean it's also one of those. Again, you have a lot of people who are great at their craft making this fucking film so like even the smallest things like a coin hitting that crystal skull sounds perfect yeah yeah. you know exactly what type of sound they're going for and how they get it and it's like damn this movie should not be this movie should be a piece of shit (laughs) but it isn't it's fun and all and honestly too there's some i mean a a way that our friend austin webster would put it i think there's some good fucking lego sets in this film (laughs) yes honest to god i want not just a Lego set. If there was like an Indiana Jones museum, like recreation of like sets, I want the set where all the crystal skulls are at, where all the dead bot, oh, all the dead yeah. alien bodies are yeah, set. Yeah. That is such a good, the whole last part it's in El cool Dorado. Location, yeah. yeah. I mean, there are parts in my brain that are etched in from crystal skull. Cause I saw this in theaters. I think, did we both see it in theaters? I did not. You did not? I did.
1: I'd never seen it all the way through until this podcast. That's right. Yeah. I forgot.
0: We talked about yeah. that. Because, yeah, I definitely saw this in theaters. I definitely liked this a lot as a kid, and I definitely went on the internet and saw that my opinion was wrong, (laughs) and so I decided not to talk about it. Yeah,
1: me Um, me walking out of The Last Jedi and getting on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) What an amazing – oh, oh no. Everyone's going to really fuck. Okay, never mind.
0: (laughs) No, but, like, there are shots in this film that are, like – the the moment when they're in el dorado and the natives come out of the wall that's yeah it's fucking so good and yeah. it's actually creepy as hell right. and like has almost just it's an inkling a
1: temple it's, yeah it does but it's also funny i remember thinking during that because most of the like the natives who are like hidden in the temple emerge from behind like brick walls and dirt and yeah, stuff and it's yeah. like wait a minute how did they set that up and how long have they been in there
0: like or the fact that right before they all come out you see this like big eyes just come like yeah <laughs> in the eye holes of something yeah. that's like in wait is,
1: they just been chilling inside these is there another tunnels?
0: way is, is there another way into this or are they really good at hiding yeah before?
1: they all have these like uh, mechanical tunnel like uh, auxiliary tunnels to get down into the thing
0: uh you get a good snake bit from indie um, yeah we didn't even bring up Last Crusade has the 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 origin of the snake bit. Right. Temple yeah. of Doom has the great moment where like Willie has just no fuck about a snake and so right. throws it right. away. You the you hear that Henry Jones Senior his fears rats. Yes. I love in Last Crusade when they bring up rats. Sean Connery looks like a child when he hears that word. Like <laughs> they were there. Yeah. <laughs> He's so scared. And then in this in Kingdom they have a scene where Mutt Williams uses a snake to pull Indy from the dry sand pit. (laughs) He's like, just say it's a rope. Say it's a rope. Yeah. (laughs) I love
1: how neurotic he is about it.
0: Oh, it's good. I mean, again, there's... You would think when you talk to other people about this film and about, you know, how this is a dog shit film or, like, it's it's the worst Indiana Jones film. Yeah, but, like, at the same time, like, worst in this franchise is, thankfully, is not a one out of ten. Worst in this franchise is really, like, they have literally done... A, like a classic perfect adventure film the weird goofy dark but also intriguing sequel yeah. the finale that is like clearly supposed to be the finale but isn't because we're talking about the fourth film and then you have this one like this is the oddest duck objectively and yet it's still like spielberg lucas they clearly have an understanding still of what made those earlier films at least work with audiences yeah. and kind of incorporate those elements back into yeah. the series in I a modern sense. I also think
1: I just, and you know, I'm, I'm saying this with the benefit of knowing what the response to Crystal Skull was and sitting on that for yeah. years before I really sat down and watched the movie, but like, I really don't feel like the crystal skull alien plot in this is that weird for an indie movie no i think I, it's i think it's it perfect. feels like a perfect next yeah. step forward after like clearly this series has all always been about like oh see there's actually all these mystical forces out there that we don't recognize yeah. or whatever you know and it's like well yeah where do you go from there especially a movie where it's old indie and time has moved on and we're in the 50s yeah. now You know, of course, it's Roswell, it's missile tests, it's, yeah, like...
0: (laughs) Gosh, it is, yeah, and I will even add on to it, I like the alien design. Sure. I like how classic it is, honest to God. No, it's like,
1: yeah, if you're going to make a movie set in the 50s, inspired by, like, ufo craze of that era yeah yeah you make the aliens look exactly like everybody at the time was saying they looked like. oh yeah it's <laughs> it's yeah. big bean-shaped gray mm-hmm. alien with black eyes in the way like,
0: that the alien shows itself is really well designed and really creative yeah with all the skulls coming together yeah. all the skeletons you have yeah it just feels natural and also with the crystal skull angle it, it adds the archaeology angle and gets you yeah. that gateway into sci-fi, in a way that it's like you you get to see Indy in his natural habitat doing the, you know the tomb robbing and going in mm-hmm. and finding new clues here and there, and ultimately being way out of his fucking depth when he realizes this nice, cute little El Dorado temple that he's in is actually the base for a fucking interdimensional being <laughs> that has just been here for thousands of years right and it's like it is really cool to see that come to fruition but i will say it would hit harder if there's more of an emotional investment which there isn't a lot of especially in the back half because at the back half you have these are all the things that are supposed to in you know concept and like in a beautiful almost like you know like finite final way you have a relationship between a father and son that is ever growing and is ultimately going to end in them being in each other's lives. You have right. the lost lover and lost, you know, love interest from the first film and having to rekindling that love and yeah. having to ultimately make it believable that they want to get married at the end. You have the old professor that is clearly, you know, you know, basically the Henry Jones senior, this film who is so enraptured in the crystal skull phenomena and the lore that like, He is obsessed and crazy, and Indiana Jones wants to bring him back from the craziness. And you also have Mac. You have all these things that you have
1: (laughs) pieces to play with. Yeah. Yeah. By
0: the end of the film, all of them come together, but like you kind of, it's not a perfect fit. It feels like there could have been a lot more tweaking and greasing to make it like a just a smooth, like. This is perfect. This is exactly yeah. where it needs to go.
1: It feels kind of weird coming off of Last Crusade where that father son dynamic obviously it's inverted where Indy's the son there. No yeah. um to for the movie to lean into that so hard, Crusade leans into that really hard and mm-hmm. like leans on that and that is your emotional core of the film. And then Crystal Skull really kind of feels like it softballs the father son thing with Indian Mutt. Yeah, kind it of, does. Kind of plays a lot of the the what you would think would be like key character beats and dynamics. Plays a lot of those for laughs, which yeah. is like fine in a way, like they're funny jokes, but it's also like Mm -hmm. These are all these moments where I feel like I should be getting more invested in the Mutt-Indie relationship, but instead I'm just kind of like laughing at their shitty Mm -hmm. relationship.
0: There's also the, the, I mean, I just forgot about this. These are other angles. There's like fucking seven or eight different angles to take from this. There's also the angle of the fact that Mutt sees Ox as like a surrogate father or like a a surrogate uncle. Which is so
1: not. It yeah, to but yeah. it's supposed to it's, it's there yeah, it's, it's yeah. Yeah. there but it's like, like so Sha- not god emphasized.
0: shia goes so hard in that fucking prison cell scene where <laughs> he is fucking crying yeah, silently yeah also if you took a shot in all of these films where there is a well-lit eye shot you die by the end of temple the amount of times there's just a well-lit light strip and everything else is dark but it's just the uh, eyes yeah that's a classic that is a classic indie move all the way from the fucking first film it's like a
1: classic adventure movie yeah. Thing. yeah and it's
0: just like it's fucking funny how many times like at the point you get the kingdom of the crystal skull you're like there it is yeah there it is again oh my god ox gets his own light strip <laughs> oh marion gets one all yeah. this and that like at this point in kingdom of the crystal skull if what we've already said is like in terms of sequel ideas, they've already pretty much seemed like they've done what they want to do. Kingdom is the last ditch effort, which is clearly the alien angle in the old indie angle. Right. And weirdly enough, even after that, we're getting another old indie angle and another element that is, again, I've heard rumors and I do not want this man across from me to let it be Mm. known there is a specific angle to five that has been rumored for forever. That people say it's gonna fucking hate it. But in all honesty, after the alien angle, feels like I guess the only other
1: place they could go because after oh, you go to outer talking space, about the idea of like doing messing with time and stuff, yes. time travel, yeah,
0: yeah, like that whole angle seems like the. At this point, yeah. yeah, I feel like I was well, trying to like, be sneaky about it, but literally anyone that talks about dial, yeah, it feels I mean, like they've talked about it. I think, that.
1: especially once the title was revealed, everybody's like, a dial? Yeah. Uh, are we talking about like a sundial? Like time? Mm-hmm. Are we going back? Yeah. Yeah, and then Huey Lewis and the News
0: played back in time just uh, at the end of the film. Weirdly enough, that's the only thing Andy has told me is that the score is not done by John Williams. It is done by Huey Lewis and the News. Yeah,
1: entirely composed by. And, I mean,
0: if I really think the Temple of Doom feels 80s, God, Dial of Destiny is going to really pull me back to that. But, I mean, yeah, you have a point already at Kingdom where it's like the fact that already at Kingdom, it feels like they are grasping at straws, and it's yet still a fun film
1: sure Fuck, man like i'll take it i'll take it and it feels like fully spirited in the indie style like you know you can say whatever you want about like oh it's too modern there's too much cgi whatever mm -hmm. like it still really feels authentically like an indiana jones adventure
0: like let's put it this way you didn't have to make an animated series of indiana jones to make crystal skull good like it literally just you had to give it the time Pull away from the hype and the extreme of the internet at that time, which at that moment feels vastly different compared to the extremes of the internet now. But, like, you just had to have time take that away and realize that, like, in an era now where franchises that should probably be dead are coming back for another entry, like, hello, Terminator, you have you have a kingdom of the you have kingdom of the crystal skull showing like you can do another indie film yeah should you well it depends but at this right. moment when they did this tw- nearly 20 years after crusade it's still fun it's just never going to be what you loved about the films it's never gonna be as perfect as when you saw the originals right. as kids
1: even if only because it wasn't made then like yes. it's made now and yeah. that's just yeah but and, it surprisingly it's aged but, well in that like regard if, if if yeah steven spielberg's goal was to like okay i gotta kind of try and shake myself and and uh you know fall back into those old ways that i made movies i think he did a pretty good job of that you know yeah i think so too so many years later to be like or what 19 years later 19 yeah Yeah, to be like yeah okay let's try and wind it back and how was i making movies back in the 80s like yeah And to be able to do that to any degree is pretty impressive considering everything he did between them.
0: Yeah, and of course, you know, people have made it clear and talked about the fact that, too, that, like, Spielberg as a director for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, it's clearly he's softer material-wise. Like, it's not as dark as Temple. It's not even as intense or as goofy as, I would say, like, you know, Last Crusade could get. Ultimately, like, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is probably the easiest one to show your kids
1: yeah it's the most like family friendly
0: which makes sense because at this point lucas and spielberg are family men and have you know have new kids and have like 2nd like they're on their second wives or just kind of like they're happily married with kids and are vastly different than where we started off at temple of doom yeah and that's i mean it's it'd be silly not to address personal like you know how a personal life is going and how it changes uh-huh. how you direct uh-huh. and especially yeah. how you write and how you produce yeah because lucas is involved lucas is the story he wrote the story for kingdom and you can fucking tell <laughs> there are <laughs> yeah. some elements to where it's like this is a classic lucas bit yeah if anything but i mean ultimately yeah of all the indiana jones sequels well this is definitely the weakest at the same time I really had a good time with Crystal Skull. Yeah. I was quite caught off guard by how much I enjoyed it. It also just makes me worried for how I'm going to feel
1: about <laughs> Dial of Destiny. Well, and and one thing I think should not be missed about, of, about uh, Crystal Skull, which I don't know that I would have thought of until having seen Dial of Destiny, but um, I, I think even though Kingdom of Crystal Skull clearly – is a little bit more, yeah, softened and more family friendly than the '80s films. It still maintains, in brief moments and little bits, that kind of light horror angle. Yeah, that no. obviously Temple's the one that really leaned into it, but all three of the '80s movies have some of that and some horrific imagery and spookiness. Yeah, and this one you get that in the form of you know a little bit of body horror with the ants and then uh some some extraterrestrial slash yeah. supernatural horror with the alien stuff
0: yeah the body horror to the introduction of the aliens in area 51 when they cut through the like the latex yeah the, yeah, yeah and yeah. you just see a fucking hand with not enough fingers <laughs> right right and then like later when they and do then, the crystal skull torture per se with yeah, Indy is really fucking that. good
1: and yeah even at the end even as you know overblown as you could say it is with the uh, um kate blanchett's character facing the the alien creature oh, um, so you good. know that that is very much in the spirit of like okay the guy the nazis looking into the ark of the covenant like
0: um, and donovan drinks from the wrong cup like yeah. you get all and, that and i gotta
1: say those kind of kind of spooky elements without saying anything else i missed that in dial of destiny
0: okay <laughs> okay all right i mean that does not surprise me again yeah. which what's well, like
1: if you think okay by the time 2008 rolled around we're making an indie film that's a little bit softer okay well then by the time 2023 rolls around if we make an indie film it's probably going to be that much softer
2: mm-hmm.
0: i mean here's the here's the thing we actually haven't talked about this on outside the podcast or on it but i will say it now if i see dial and i feel like we should maybe do a little freequel on it to talk about it because like it just throws it all because again, it just if it throws the wrong way in a way that it's like I uh-huh. we need to like we sure. need to address this or talk about this, I I, I feel will like we talk
1: could, about it if you want to talk about it.
0: <laughs> that's the thing is like I could see it go either way. Yeah. Because again, I've seen because again, uh, and I mean Andy makes Andy writes great reviews, but also he writes great reviews to the point where I don't want to see them. I don't want to read them fully until I see the film yeah. and then I see his opinion and I go, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I'll see I'll see the star rating. I'll look at the sure. star rating, and when I saw the rating for his and the our buddy that he took, Austin, who yeah. he took to the film, who's I saw a sold. huge
1: – I took one of our friends who's, like, maybe the biggest Indiana Jones fan yeah. I know.
0: I think he would – I mean, Austin, I think, would have at least pummeled 20 children just to get the Indiana Jones Lego set that does all of Raiders yeah. if he had to. Yeah. Like, he's that much of a fan, and he seemed to like it. At least in terms of like what I've little heard here and there of just like overall and being like, okay, so maybe there's something. there. But then again, here's another thing that's kind of fascinating because, you know, Crystal Skull is considered to be the worst of the series. Um, When the outlet IGN reviewed Kingdom (laughs) of the Crystal Skull, they gave it a 7 out of 10, which is pretty high for that time Well, seven, and
1: 7 is generally considered, okay, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's a, good. That's a baseline good movie.
0: And again, I will also say that both the reviewers for Kingdom and Dial, I don't think are the
1: same people. No, no.
0: Dial of Destiny got a 4 out of 10. Yeah. And that's a big, I mean, that's a wild shift compared to like, you know, all the shit we heard from Khan yeah, and Ken and yeah. just like, just all these things of like, okay, what the fuck is going right. on? Because again, there's also the aspect the fact that like, the director for Dial of Destiny, and I know we've been talking about the Indiana Jones sequels, we've got to address this as well. Right. This is obviously
1: not a sequel of Spielberg.
0: No, 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 yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. But to clarify, like, it's it's also a big deal the fact that like this is direct writer director James Mangold, who Mm -hmm. is known for walk the line, Logan, four V Ferrari, which which made me the most excited for because I think Ford v Ferrari has some great action set pieces and it's only about fucking yeah. racing. Yeah. So I was like, if they have any car sequences and dial, they should be fine. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's the first time anyone from Spielberg is not touching the, the Indiana Jones property. Than Spielberg. Yeah. yeah. And you just to see that review, it's there might be something there to talk about, but at the same time, sure. I'm fine with that. Sure, I'm fine with just like posting a no, review. I'm, I'm just...
1: game for it if if you want to, but we'll just see how you feel after yeah. you see it.
0: Because yeah, it also just I mean, it just tied it all back. It is, it shows just how special I believe the franchise is just by looking at its sequels. Because it's like mm-hmm. again, if it's weakest sequel as Crystal Skull, that's a damn good thing to be weak. That's a damn good weak one because that one's still really fun. Yeah, and enjoyable. Yeah. This is a, I mean, my girlfriend. This is her comfort films franchise like she's oh, seen okay. she's seen all, of, all these. of these films and loves them and i think i mean varying degrees i believe but at the same time it's like this is just a this is for me and i think for a lot of people you know especially one or two of these films is like a, you could throw this on and i know exactly where it's at and i could watch it but i could also just let it fill the fill the environment with its music its mm-hmm. sound effects its lines and these are vibes
1: things. movies as they say
0: I mean it's not it's it's yes and no. But yeah. I think it's it's in that same it's it's one of those films where it's like I think I have seen Raiders, Temple, uh probably probably Raiders and Crusade the most out of all four of these, mainly because of how many times it's been on TV and then like my parents don't switch the channel. Yeah. Or my grandparents don't switch the channel. Like it's right. one of those things where like it's just if it's on, you put it on if you can't think of anything else to watch. And I think the sequels do a good job of keeping that. And with each one of these films having unique, unique kind of differences as well as similarities that feel Indiana Jones, but in their own classic way, per se.
1: Yeah.
0: Or modern way, if you're, you know, Crystal Skull. Yeah. But now, but yeah, even with uh, fifteen years past since Crystal Skull, I, regardless if we do a prequel or not, I will say something. <laughs> I see it, and whenever we see it, whenever I see yeah. it, but. Our next episode is not going to be that frequent. No. Here's the thing, you know, we have done, you know, Frank Darabont, which is kind of more of like kind of a little bit more my choice. It's something that we were both down to do, but like I'm a sucker for shawshank and i yeah. really love darabont you're, stuff
1: you're a little bit of a king guy i like
0: king yeah, yeah. i wish i i've only read a few so don't no one questioned me on logan that. logan
1: knows everything I, about steven that's king. my
0: dad not me my dad has i think read all of his shit you heard it here but, folks
1: uh, challenge him we
0: did that and we did indiana jones to tie into <laughs> uh you know a, a, a new a, release a new release but this next trilogy is one that is very specific but special to one of us Mm. because on the next episode which will be july 15th Mm -hmm. that'll be andy's birth week yeah yeah that'll be he'll have just
1: turned 28 that week
0: would have just turned 28 and because of that because i'm such a great you know soon to be groomsman, mm. great friend you we know, know great, this. Yeah. great hosts mm-hmm. i feel like you know if andy has a trilogy that he wants to do like he's just like just dying crying on his knees begging me we gotta have do been, this trilogy. i have been
1: pleading with logan ever since the podcast began and, I, it, and, i'm in tears almost every and, day before we record and
0: before he even told me what the trilogy <laughs> was i just know deep in my bones i knew it was andy what is your birthday trilogy going to be
1: my special birthday choice for trilogy is the Bionicle Trilogy, a series of 3D CG animated films from the early 2000s centered around Lego's fantasy line of mechanical toys that they, that they, uh, introduced to try and save the brand from bankruptcy. Um, they, they made three straight to home video, uh, Films to tie into the toy line to add to the lore create context uh, um and you get uh bionicle the uh, biological chronicle yeah
0: um is that what we're calling it
1: that's where it that's where the name bionicle comes that's from. that's right again um,
0: again i was uh, to be honest i had a bionicle i was full-blown yeah. lego boy so yeah. I, I had a bionicle so this is this,
1: these are near and dear to my heart my our I friend our friend uh Adam, who i've known since I was a wee tot, uh, we grew up on Bionicle and would watch these movies all the time together. Um, I have many times uh, entertained the idea of writing a dissertation on how the the Bionicle Trilogy uh, parallels the Star Wars prequel trilogy, uh, perhaps even telling that story better. Um,
0: wow, this is this is all news to me. You've and, kept uh, this for me, and I love I love that this is all yeah, coming out.
1: And these, yes, they're all straight to home video uh, releases, but they're they're an interesting lot because we don't really we don't really get depth of of lore and storytelling in in kind of toys like this anymore so
0: especially toys that had an all-american rejects commercial (laughs) at the very same time
1: yeah so anyway um i don't remember off the top of my head the uh, the years of release but we will be looking at bionicle the movie the mask of light um bionicle 2 legends of metru nui and bionicle 3 web of shadows
0: it's funny because i i knew all three of those titles and i think i knew the first one just in general but i think i only know the sequels Through osmosis, meaning you and Adam. Yeah, right. Because we are always
1: talking about them.
0: Yeah, if you, I mean, yeah, this is. I am genuinely excited because these are my these
1: are my Barbie movies. Like girls grew up watching the the VHS Barbie CG movies. This was that for me. Yeah, it's
0: these are these are films that completely, especially someone, especially as a kid who could probably watch any trash you threw at him completely did not totally missed it com- totally missed this again bionicle is a weird thing like bionicle was made for us like it literally was a demographic yeah, like yeah. kids boys don't like legos so therefore we have to make not legos but yeah. also we gotta kinda. Make star
1: wars and lord of the rings as a lego yeah like, it's, it's, it's as a, an original story
0: yeah and it's like um as a kid i was like no i'm just gonna play with the fucking space ones why would i fucking <laughs> play with bionicle i think i have one bionicle and if i remember yeah. correctly. Uh, it just wasn't as fun to put together or sure. make things no. with no yes very <laughs> so it's very like, different mechanically from your it typical is, it legos is. but um, the but the fact that like i think it was after we all graduated from college where you and adam would just have random tangents talking about how specific and weird and just like deep the lore could get oh, at a certain point with fucking bionicle yeah.
1: it's absurd i am just it's like a very niche interest group too you can find yeah. very devoted bionicle fans out there
0: as every time i go through our spreadsheet and i see the bionicle trilogy i've waited daily just <laughs> to hear him try to send this to me so this is the perfect time for yeah. it i'm excited because i have nothing i have no expectation yeah. other than that it's going to be CG that is totally not very dated, dated. Yeah, 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 and again, th- and of... the,
1: the most prime voice acting you will ever hear.
0: Yeah, there's one line in particular you don't have to say here, we'll <laughs> save it for the actual episode. But you and Adam constantly ah, yes. say, but yeah, I am we're both excited as for Andy's birthday treat. This is going to be a fun one, regardless. Yeah, we may even have a guest, we're still trying to figure that out, yeah. but. Until then, tune in July 15th for the Bionica Trilogy, and as always, I'm Logan Sowash And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.